Hello? Is this on? Welcome back, campers, to another summer of Attack of the Killer Podcast Camp. It's going to be another killer summer. We will be slashing away at summer boredom. So everyone in the main hall for our lecture on summer camp movies at Attack of the Killer Podcast Camp. Over. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer campers welcome to the first day of camp today we are going to be talking about summer camp movies first i want to introduce you to the staff here at attack of the killer podcast camp our severed head counselor jason (laughs) bollinger hey everybody you better listen to what i have to tell you our camp apparently is on the highway (laughs) Organizing our sack water race, Sam Hayes. Hey, campers, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, testing. One, two, Ted. If you want to volunteer, you can help Brian Clark. He still needs targets for archery class. Hello, everybody. And remember to serpentine. Whatever that means. <laughs> if any of you young ladies happen to experience your time of the month here at camp, go see our nurse, Terry Turford, and she'll take you bear hunting. <laughs> Plug it up. Plug it up. <laughs> Over in arts and crafts, Susie Rudolph will teach you how to make elbow art. Not art made of macaroni, but art made out of elbows. What the hell was that? <laughs> Hello! Our cook, John Stalter, is serving Sawyer Texas-style chili, an old family recipe. If you bite into something hard, don't worry, it's probably one of those hard-shell peppercorns. <laughs> I got nothing. Hi, everybody! <clears throat> All right, that's it. <laughs> to serpentine, you, you zigzag when you're running, so it's harder to be shot. You're, you don't make as easy a target. Clearly, you're the smart one on the podcast, Brian. You're ma- <laughs> making us like so. So why didn't you say zigzag? Because <laughs> Brian <laughs> likes big words. It's less letters. <laughs> it's easier for me to spell. I have to say, I'm kind of disappointed you didn't do like a Weird Al-style parody of the Salute Your Shorts theme or something. <laughs> thought about just singing Nature Trail to Hell. So oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> it's never too late. All right. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Cool. Enjoying this hot, hot summer. Wow, oh, we're cooped up inside when all the Ragbri festivities are going on throughout the tunnel. Now you have to explain. Ragbri is this giant bicycling thing. It's not really a race. Do they? Do you even know what it stands for? <laughs> Let's break the word down. Rag, as in. <laughs> um, anyway, they travel across the whole state of Iowa. It's a pretty big deal every single year. But they like do a different uh, route direction route every year. Thank you. Uh, 
Where's Brian with his words? Um, <laughs> Come on, Nerdlinger, get in there. And uh, this year they're, that was they, fine. they're passing through Tumwa. Thank you. <laughs> they're passing through a Tumwa. So, like, I was out and about earlier today, all all downtown's all blocked off, and there's, like, tents just in everybody's yards. and It's a pretty big deal. And we're doing this. How long does it last? A week. Oh, a whole week, wow. Okay. Um, so that's exciting. But uh, before we get into the topic, I think we got some killer news stuff. Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines on attack on the Killer Podcast. Anybody want to uh, take it away? Surprise Blair Witch sequel. Yeah. Oh yeah. So is that Hello. actually a Blair Witch? It's sequel? a it's a, it's an actual Blair Witch sequel. Yeah. The whole thing is the uh, the brother of the the girl from the first movie is trying to figure out what the hell happened to her. Oh, like okay. somebody finds the tape, uploads it onto the internet, and then he's like, "That's got to be my sister." Blah blah blah. But yeah, it was originally presented as the Woods, and then yeah. at uh, Comic Con they're like, "Surprise, Blair Witch." Oh. But it's. I think it's look. It, the trailer looks amazing. Watch it. Yeah. But uh, I still haven't. I still haven't seen the trailer. I just been hearing about the buzz. Is it found footage style or? Yes and no. I, it looks like a mix of both. But uh, okay. it's directed by Adam Weingard and uh, written by Simon Barrett, who uh, have done The Guest and You're Next. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I have faith in it. I thought the trailer looked too. amazing. Totally. Like, yeah, might actually be a movie that scares me. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just saw the trailer. Like, you know, I I wasn't aware of the project before, like the big reveal, and I just watched the trailer and you know, expecting it to be, you know, just another shitty sequel. But it kind of it blew me away. It looks legitimately good, and uh, yeah, I was a big fan of Your Next as well. So yeah. I'm pretty excited for this. For sure. Yeah, it's got good people behind it. I'm so glad they're they've, they're coming back to the whole Blair Witch universe. Yeah, that, that and makes exactly, me I mean, they've they've already screened it for people, and I mean, it's people have said it's downright terrifying. Cool. So yeah. I'm 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 hoping that's just not a lot of hype. I mean, the the trailer definitely made it look fantastic and just creepy as all hell. I mean, they yeah, I have faith in these guys. Outstanding. I need to check out that trailer for sure. Uh, I know, like, it's been discussed in the past, but with a, with a much newer crew since the last time it's ever been brought up, what's everybody's, everybody's thoughts on um, Blair Witch 2? Because I'm a huge fan, and I have recently, this past year, became even more of a fan of that movie. I like Blair Witch 2. Good. I've yeah. Honestly, I've watched that one more than I've watched the, uh, the first movie. You know, I think I have too, honestly. I mean, I, I don't mind the first movie. It has been ages since I've seen it. But it's not something you can just sit down and, you know, watch every once in a while. And yeah. not necessarily because of the found footage aspect. It's just, I don't know, it's not something you want to revisit a lot. And it, it's not, And it's not a background movie because no. it's annoying as shit if it's just on in the background because all you hear is, Josh! <laughs> you know, for an hour and a half. So. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Who did that? 
And usually when I watch it, I have to watch it back and back with the documentary, The Curse of the Blair Witch. <laughs> to me, it's it's kind of like a, it's a it's a together piece. Yeah. So. Not only that, but oh, sorry, go ahead. No, pl- no, please go ahead. I was just gonna say that the first Blair Witch is one of those movies that, you know, like John was saying, you can't just pop it on every once in a while to watch for like a fun background thing because you need to pay attention to it and, um, if. If you if you need to space out your viewings of it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because if you uh, watch it a bunch of times in a row, you know everything that's coming. It loses all of its power. It's one you kind of need to put on the shelf for a few years and sort of forget what happens in it, and then go back and watch it again so it can surprise you again. That's Whereas yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The second one yeah. is just like a fun cheesy B movie that you can throw on and just have a good time with, and you don't need to worry about letting the you know, whatever power the movie may have over you take hold, you can just yeah. kick back and enjoy it like you would and, any. And the soundtrack is good. Great soundtrack. Now, have you guys listened to the commentary track or any of the special features on the disc? No, surprisingly, I don't even own the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> you think I would. The, the commentary track is awesome, and I think, I think you guys uh, would really especially appreciate it because you, you say it's a, it's a fun, you know, you know, just you know, B movie, but there is a lot more going on in that movie than, than, um, you're aware of just watching it. There is a lot, a lot of subtleties. Um, and, and what is, what is also amazing about it. Now there's some stuff that, that the studio went, um, against the director's wishes and kind of like moved things around in the film. So it kind of changes some of the director's original intent and, and some of the original themes and stuff. But the whole movie is a really cool, like, um, uh, like metaphor be- for between the differences between rea- between reality and fiction, people's perceptions of that. Um, and that, that's, that's told throughout the movie through like lines of dialogue and just like, when shit really happen is 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 happening. A lot of it's like you're seeing on a TV screen the reality where um, you know there's something else going on uh, in the movie itself. So it's really neat. And there's like a lot of hidden messages uh, throughout the film. You can see like forms of stick people on the walls and uh, all kinds of crazy shit like that. Um, in the uh, the Curse of the Blair Witch, they had. I can't remember the I can't remember the uh, the name of the guy who whose house it was who whose house was it in the Blair Witch it was some guy from like the 40s or something like that who who took kids down in the basement and oh, killed them and then he walked into town I don't remember the name yeah and then he walks into town and all he says is like I'm finished here or something like that and then and he gets arrested and all that stuff. Same guy who's playing that part in The Curse of the Blair Witch is in Blair Witch 2 in the convenience store working on the cooler and his one line in the movie is, I'm finished now, just like in the original Blair Witch. Wow. I'm definitely going to have to yeah. check that commentary track out. That, yeah. I'm like, I mean, I kind of figured there was, you know, that the director had put some thought into the movie because of all the weird, you know, malleable reality stuff going on in it but um yeah i i didn't 
expect it to be that <laughs> deep into it, I guess, because like you said, there's yeah. a lot of studio fuckery in that kind of shows too, especially in the first mm-hmm. half of the movie. It feels very generic studio horror movie of the time, and then in the second half, it kind of goes into loony territory. And the yeah, exactly. the guy who plays the sheriff looks so familiar to me, and I every time I think about or watch the movie, I forget to look up who he is, but he he has a very distinctive face and a very distinctive voice. Yeah. I'm sure I've seen him in something else, but I can't place what. Like he's a, a like a sub character in Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like he's just like a B movie, uh, like a you know bit player character actor guy who's been in a million yeah. things, sort of. But I think if I remember right, he was also the sheriff in the Curse of the Blair Witch documentary too, though. Oh, that would make sense. I think, yeah. So I thought that, yeah. So I always thought that was cool, and you know, it really makes me appreciate the movie any more, even more, um, once you once you can start picking up on those things and start seeing it, because it's it's done really subtly, like obviously to the point where you just don't even notice a lot, you just don't notice the stuff at all. Um, so the commentary track is definitely worth checking out. You'll just learn a lot more about the movie and what he was trying to do. It's very cool. For the longest time, I'd kind of written off the first Blair Witch because, you know, just the backlash that, you know, a hardcore horror fan has over the public at large gushing over something that comes out and you just kind of, ugh, I'm tired of hearing about this. I don't care. And then my buddy Tim had, has the most interesting read on the movie I've, I've ever heard that, um, it's a Lovecraft movie. A group of academics go out into a, strange territory get in way over their heads and meet a cosmic evil that does them in because of their own curiosity hmm yeah interesting all it's missing is, missing is some tentacles right <laughs> <laughs> so cool yeah so is it, is it still called the woods then are they still calling no, it it's, the woods? it's called Blair Witch oh okay cool so I'm so that I'm really excited. Um, what else we got in killer news? I just read earlier today that uh, Phantasm Five, Phantasm Rapture, has finally got a release date, October seventh. Whoop whoop! About of, of this year or next year? Yeah. Of, of this 20, year. 2027. Oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The rate we're going. Well, and they're, they're re-releasing the original one, like a re- the remastered version in the theater, right? The 4K, yeah, the 4K restoration, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I feel like it's like that fucking movie wrapped like over a year ago, so it's way, way overdue. But I'm glad it's finally hitting theaters, and I think that was the holdup was the uh, the 4K restoration. Kind of what they've been working on, but yeah, that the the, the restoration I guess is going to be in theaters uh, on September twenty fourth. I'm not sure if that's wide release or what, but yeah, that's... I think it's a li- I think it's a limited release. I hope at least one theater in Iowa gets it because I totally want to. Otherwise, travel to Chicago. Yeah, yeah, road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Phantasm. Oh yeah! Oh my oh, god! Yeah. And, I mean, I just, uh, I just hope, because, like, this one, this one's got to wrap it up, right? I mean, you can't really... Yeah, uh, I'm reading an article, apparently, 
it's the final uh, uh, installment, according to this. Well, it's gonna have it's gonna have to be um, unless they recast Tall Man. You can't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, hey, technically you could, but well, yeah. You okay? You shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they uh they recast uh, Michael Baldwin, but I think that was yeah, that was a studio that's true, but that they... was a studio thing though. Yeah. Well, he wasn't. I mean, he's not really the iconic character from that series. Everyone remembers boy. I mean, but they, yeah, and they only did it once. Like they did it in two, and then quickly went right back to Michael Baldwin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although two is probably my favorite out of the franchise, yeah. to be honest. I, I think the deal was with two, like whatever fucking studio like uh, uh, produced that, they said you could uh, Coscarelli could only bring back like one actor from the original for whatever reason, which is retarded. But I guess <laughs> I guess it was uh, you know. A toss between Michael Baldwin and, and Reggie Bannister, and you know, of course, he's going to go with Reggie. So, yeah, yeah, that's another character you can't really recast either. Is is Reggie? Right, right. He's right up there, Reggie. Um, like, if there was, if there was a, um, um an Expendables movie <laughs> featuring featuring old horror uh, heroes. Not the mo- not the villains, but the heroes. It would it would you know Ash Ash uh, Reggie would be right up there next to Ash in my yeah in my opinion. That'd be kind yeah. of a cool movie. Yeah, just yeah. in this movie. Just like who else yeah. would be in it? Just like a Reggie Ash uh, uh, team alone would be a great movie, <laughs> I think. Yeah. My my Expendables movie would also have um, Jack Burton. Hell yeah! yeah. Ruined. So it's all what? the it's all the goofball heroes that managed to manage to save the day, but really shouldn't because they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but then you should also have maybe like I don't know Nancy from Elm Street in there just to get a female in there. Mm-hmm. Why her? Why do you have to pick her? Or Coda? Huh? Why? Huh? Why her? Oh, just it's Nancy. She's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's pick another one. Le- uh, Lisa Wilcox. Then. Oh yeah. All right. Even better. <laughs> I have against Nancy. I have Jeez. nothing against her. Yeah. Uh, just somebody different. I don't know. Just period. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And other news. Um, did you guys see that uh, split trailer? Nope. The new yes. M. Night movie? I have not. No. It looks awesome. Looks awesome. Lutel. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah, go on. And then the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, and then the guy. Yes, you do. Is it Xavier? Sure. Is that who that is? Sure. <laughs> Charles Xavier yeah. from the X-Men? Um. Is that who's playing the guy, though? Is that who's playing the guy? I thought that's who the guy was. That's the guy. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. Looks like Edward Norton to me. Not all bald, skinny guys are Edward Norton, Mike. How many times do I have to tell <laughs> At you? At least that? one is. Edward um, Norton. <laughs> anyway, no, it's like these three girls get kidnapped and are kept. Uh, what I thought at first was like an underground bunker. It looked like um, by this guy. And what's interesting about about that con- about this concept with this movie is that their captor 
has like 27 split personalities or something like that. And, you know, and there's like a character that there's one of his split personalities. The the girls try to appeal to to him because there's like a little boy trying to get him out and stuff like that. That you gotta watch the trailer because the reveal of the split personality thing was awesome in the trailer. Because they're peeking through, they're peeking through the crack in the door, and they see like all they can see is like feet, but it's like high heels and a dress, and they're banging, they're banging on the door like you know, help us, help us, help us! This guy kidnapped us. Open the door. It's the guy in a dress, and one of his split personalities is, is like a woman. So I wonder if he. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I haven't seen the trailer yet, but uh, it's James McAvoy, and he's one of my favorite actors right now. He's but really no, good. But no, he's if you've seen the movie Filth, he's got like a similar thing where like he's got like a split personality, and like he kind of uh, does the whole transvestite thing. So I wonder if he's getting like typecast here. That movie is fucking awesome. I just watched it. Like, filth oh my gosh yeah, just watched yeah. it like a week ago and i'm like you know i wonder if half price books has it and sure shit they did that is he is fantastic in that movie oh my yeah absolutely i i knew very little about the movie but we're like hey it's on netflix you know let's give it a shot blew me away so good yeah i mean anything irvine welsh is well yeah and i didn't realize that when we watched it i didn't know that until after we watched it <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's great. It's uh, one of my favorite movies from the last couple of years. Anyway, the, no, this the cool the cool thing in the split trailer is that like the psychologist lady or psychiatrist, whatever it is, is like the thing about some split personality folks is that they actually can change their metaphysical characteristics of their body and they like mm-hmm. hint at like you know I don't know like one of his personalities is like a monster or something you know and like yeah. he like really transforms his body into some weird ass thing. I don't know they don't see, you they see hint at things like that yeah you see him kind of morphing a little body yeah. there's these like children drawings of some like because I'm assuming it was just from one of the split personalities right the child yeah. drawings um, of like some big hairy monster, gnarly teeth. Little hint of altered states there a little bit. Sure, yeah. oh, that's a movie. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm I'm always gonna um, root for M Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've enjoyed most of his stuff, and after the visit, I really feel ba- feel that he's back to form. So. What about what's your opinion on a uh, uh, lady in the water? <laughs> I like lady in the water. I understand that it's um, it's out there, and he's trying to create a universe that, like, you know, unfortunately nobody got behind. But uh, I still really enjoy it. I thought the the wolf monster creatures, you know, the grass dogs or whatever, were pretty cool and. You know, I appreciate that he was that he was really trying to create a whole mythology. Um, nobody, no, nobody really has the balls to do that anymore. So, I enjoy it. And anything with um, with Paul Giamatti, I'm I'm okay with. So. Yeah, that's the one thing I give him credit for. He's 
very uh, uh, creative and unique. Like even the even the village, I thought was uh, sort of unfairly criticized. I gotta say, I think mm. so. I love the village. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, I, I haven't seen his his more recent movies, but I still have not seen After Earth, and I still have not seen Last Airbender. But um, they're okay. Last one I saw was The Happening, and that 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 was the one for me that I was just like, everything. Er, you know, I enjoyed the movie for the most part. I just the ending really disappointed me. So. <clears throat> But the visit was awesome. Nice. And Unbreakable is still one of the greatest movies of all time. So. Meh. Yeah, man, you. <laughs> anyway. What else we got in Killer News? Sandy. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, please. Uh, Sandy Calora successfully Kickstarter funded uh, Shallow Water on the second attempt. I don't know if Did anyone's we talk about that already? Followed that. No. Uh, did we? I don't know. You and I have discussed that numerous times, so it's kind probably. Of, I just kind of I runs keep together. stumping for everyone to give yeah. it money because it's a monster movie. But uh, this, they, he changed the instead of being one feature-length monster movie. Now the shallow water segment is going to be part of a sci-fi and horror anthology thing that he's trying to do with a lower budget. But the uh, the creature design is is really cool. He calls the monster the Tiburonera, which uh, means shark hunter or shark eater or something like that. But it's this cool sort of. Gill man with a snapping turtle head kind of thing and it looks awesome. Cool. Had a proof of concept trailer up on the on the Kickstarter page. I'm sure you can find it kicking around YouTube. If if you're not familiar with him, he's he does a lot of creature design and sculpting of of maquettes and things and he's made a couple other little low budget features, but the thing uh, the probably best known for just across the board is uh something a short movie he made called Batman Dead End. Where oh that guy does yeah. oh yeah yeah oh I love Batman Dead right Man. yeah best Batman movie ever made <laughs> <laughs> yeah best looking Joker on on screen too. that if I remember correctly the Joker in that is Boner from uh, Growing oh, Pains from, from <laughs> yeah yeah plus he fights <laughs> fucking aliens and Predator that's exactly. badass yeah did you ever see the documentary about that about Batman Dead End no I didn't know there was one. Yeah, last I knew it was on Hulu. That's where I found it. I wish I could remember the name of it now. Now that I brought it up, but it's a great documentary, hour half documentary about about the guy who about the guy who made a you know ten minute short film. Yeah. That's cool. I'll still look it up. I've got Hulu. I can find it. Yeah, totally check it out. You know, oh, and it all makes sense now that you uh, mentioned that. You know, because they they talk a lot about his sculpting and and his and all that in the movie too. Like the other projects, he tried to get off the ground after Dead End. So he did a, a, a he he tried to raise. I think it was like five or six hundred thousand something. It was a huge amount of money, and fell short of the goal. And then kind of retooled his campaign into a two part thing. In the first chunk, he did uh, you know those reaction figures, little three inch uh, like retro Kenner style figures on the bubble pack on the card. That you can mm-hmm. get of all kinds of different things. Now he did a, a version of the creature design in those, and one of them is just like a regular painted, like it looks in the movie, and one of them is like a toxic waste 
green looking like i don't think it glows in the dark but it looks like it should sort of color figure so of course i had to buy mm -hmm. both of those because it's a monster toy and i needed it <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then he did another like kickstarter specifically for the movie so he's got these two bits of funding to put together and try to get the movie off the ground now uh, i like within a few days of it getting funded i got an uh, update saying that they'd already started some of the pre-production work so i mean he's moving right along with it Yeah, awesome. Another awesome thing about Batman Dead End, real quick, like, and you'll learn this from the documentary too, Brian, is that uh, there is an official licensed Predator action figure that's modeled after one of the Predators from Batman Dead End, the Red Helmet Predator. Really? Yeah. Is it a Nika figure. I think yes. I think they're I the ones yes, who have all the Predator wrong. and Aliens licensing. So. How cool is that? Like a fan film has a licensed action figure. Damn, now I'm going to have to hunt that one down. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I kind of want it too, just because of that. <clears throat> um, okay, any other killer news? I know we had some others on the list, but maybe we should get on to the topic for this evening. All right, we'll move on. Uh, summer camp movies. Yeah, it's summer. It's camp. Race track. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, just pretend you did that on purpose. That's right. It was sound effects. Um, anyway, so where where should we start on summer camp movies? Favorite Friday Thirteenth. Go. Oh, because okay. why talk about all the Friday Thirteenths? Yeah, we're not gonna do that. But favorite Friday Thirteenth. Seven. Um. Yours is seven? Yeah. Nice. Why, why seven? Uh, the John Carl Beekler makeup effects on Jason is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, he looks the That's best nice he's up. ever looked. And I love the that they tried to take it out of the box. I'm like, okay, we've had him kill people at a camp six times now. We need to do something different. Let's have him fight Carrie. Like, yeah. I just, I love yeah. that. I love it when a franchise decides to go off the rails and do something different to shake things up. And that's really cool. I just, I enjoy that part of it yeah you're right that that first scene when he walks out of the water and you see the spine sticking out the back oh i got goosebumps it's freaking awesome yeah beautiful john what about you favorite friday film oh fuck i don't know uh <laughs> you're gonna laugh at me but i for some reason like uh jason takes manhattan Hey! Yeah, I am gonna laugh at you. <laughs> what? It's awesome. Okay. When he punches that kid's head off, <laughs> fucking great. Come on. Somebody needs to do a short fan film of Jason fighting the boxing clown from Killer Clowns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. They just each knock each other's heads off. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Ah, oh, Susie, what about you? Um, Friday. I don't remember which one it was, but um, what number it was, but the uh, one with Corey Feldman. That is Part not four. on my end. That is Sam, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. He's outside oh. recording. Some, he's on his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, that's me. At some, at some motorcycle rally, apparently. <laughs> so the one with Corey Feldman with all the 
the kids in that one. I can't even remember the number of it. That's uh, part four, the final chapter. Four. It has Mike's yeah. girlfriend in it. Yes, it does. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The one that dances to that song, does the robot thing. Is that the one? Chris Glover, yeah. You like that one? Yeah, the that girl. I think you're you're thinking oh. of the the girl, the punk girl from Part, part five, five. Does the robot? Oh, that's the one I'm talking. Isn't that? No, that's not the one with Corey Feldman. Then, right? No. Right. They're not the same one. Okay, then it's the one with the robot girl. <laughs> oh, okay. The one with that. The one with um the ambulance driver, not Thanks. Jason Voorhees. Yes. With the Scooby Doo ending. Yes. Pull off the mask, and it wasn't Jason all along. It was the ambulance driver. <laughs> and he would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't one of those darn kids. <laughs> oh, it's great. I love part five. Mm-hmm. New blood. <laughs> Terry. Um, well, I'm always a fan of the Crispin Glover dance in four, but I've all, I always... I like the first movie, just with Mrs. Voorhees and all that. She's good. Betsy. It's very summer campy. That, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those first two especially really have the full summer camp feel to it. So Cool. Sam, what about you? Uh, I'd probably say part three. Part three, I'm just... He's such a sucker for 3D movies. <laughs> That's it, man. No. Yep. It's, well, it's, it's an iconic movie in the um, the uh, the continuity of Friday 13th because it's the first time he gets his hockey mask. Absolutely. And, and it does have, you know, iconic, you know, 3D kills and... <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, I think the... the uh, I forget. I haven't seen it in so long. Who is it? Is it Shelley that gets his uh, that gets shot with the harpoon gun? No, Shelley doesn't get shot with the harpoon gun. Um, God, who was that? I can't remember which guy it was, but he's the guy that got lifted up with the harpoon gun by his crotch or whatever. And no, wait, no, wait. Am I now? Am I getting them mixed up? I can't remember. It was. The, it was the girl that Shelly that Shelley liked that got the harpoon in the eye. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. But anyway, that, that kill, I just that's one of my favorites, I think, from the the series. Awesome. Jason, what about you? Four. No, seven. No, six. No five. No seven. <laughs> seven. Seven. Yeah. Yay. Same. Same thing because of the look of Jason and yeah, doing something different with them um, with the Tina character. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, the SmackDown at the end is awesome too, and she's the just Smackdown throwing stuff great. at him, and he just Kane Hodder gives yeah. such a great performance in that movie because he just is constantly perplexed, like why is this frail little thing that I have snapped in half, you know, dozens of times in my career as a killer, this one is somehow kicking my ass, and I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do a commentary for seven sometime. That'd be fun. Yes. We were going up for six. Yeah, which that's my answer. Part six oh. is my favorite Friday 13th, Jason Loves. 
I love the use of the introduction of comedy into the uh, to the franchise. I mean, there's some some humor throughout throughout the series leading up to uh, to part six, but part six, what? You, what? Yeah, five. The dude, yeah. the guys. Those definitely are all comedy. The, <clears throat> the motorcycle uh, kids. Yeah, the 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 redneck mom and son. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But in part six, you know, there was there was a lot more going on than just a couple of goofy characters. There was a lot of comedy, but never at the expense of the horror element. I love the atmosphere of part six. It's the first time Jason is resurrected, which is my favorite version of Jason, is the zombie Jason, the undead Jason, um, versus the, you know, the alive and kicking Jason. Um, so, and Tom Matthews. And you love him. And it's a continuation of the Tommy Jarvis storyline, too, which... Brings back some Tommy Jarvis. ...is, like, the only time in the franchise they've ever carried on... Continuity. any, any Any semblance of continuity, really, especially when it comes to, like, surviving characters. So, yeah, I really love part six. <clears throat> which what go oh, ahead no you go ahead nope not gonna <laughs> i was just gonna ask if i could change my answer <laughs> same nope <laughs> oh. okay uh, terry what do you want to change your answer to to freddy versus jason because it has freddy and he wins because yeah he does not win he totally wins doesn't win. Uh, that's a good answer. I might how does I don't, he win? I don't think he wins. <laughs> he's, a, he's a goddamn severed head. How does he win? He winks. Oh, a wink he's, is a victory? Is he's, that the... he's, he's got it all under control. Yep. Yeah, sure. So, no, I, wasn't, I wasn't counting that one since it's a, not purely a Jason movie. It's a crossover. But yeah, if that one's on the table, then that would be mine too. I, absolutely, <laughs> I saw that in the theater three times. It was awesome. Jesus Christ. I love that movie. It's like I don't know you anymore. <laughs> Me too. We how many we times dressed we up seen? and went. There's some yeah. pictures of us going. Remember that time? Was it the first time we saw it in Iowa City mm-hmm. when you and Flyboy dressed up, and then like those kids thought you were the actual Jason or Freddy from the movies, and yeah. it was like asking you questions about the movie. <laughs> like we hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> Everyone dies. I don't know. Pretty much. Pretty Except much. Freddy. Except Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel I should append my answer to say that in terms of quality, two is probably the best one, followed closely behind by four, but seven is just the one I enjoy watching the most. I, I have to agree with you there. It really feels like um I don't wanna say I don't wanna say that the other filmmakers weren't trying weren't you know, weren't trying to make good movies, but it really feels like Steve Miner, who directed two, and Joseph Zito, who directed four, were were really trying to put forth their best effort. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, there's some real craftsmanship in both those in both those movies. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, and John, did you say you wanted to change your answer? Yeah, just for uh, the sole reason that Crispin Glover's in part four. <laughs> just for the dance. Good reason. I would change my answer to Freddy vs. Jason because I love it, but <laughs> I just really love Part Six that much more. And there's there's still one thing to this day that I cannot get over with Freddy vs. Jason, 
And that is, I can't remember the actor's name that played the cop. That helps the kids in the in the second act. Yeah, I know. I can't think of his name either, but... Yeah. I, I'm going to refer to him as Officer Exposition, because that is the sole purpose in the movie. To remind all of us horror fans who the fuck Freddie and Jason are by expl- having to explain it in detail. They're like, oh, that's God, right. that dialogue is that dialogue is so horrible. When he come when he finds the kids at whatever whatever they were hiding out at, and he goes into detail about back in nineteen fifty eight, Jason Voorhees drowned. I'm like, do we really need this right now? Do we? And it's so unnatural dialogue too. It's just complete exposition. So annoying. It was so much to that movie's benefit that they got a Hong Kong director to do it because the action sequences are oh, yeah. awesome and they would not have been that cool had it been you know any really any American director because it has that kung fu movie sensibility to it that just makes it so much more fun. That moment when um when Freddie ends up in reality and he does that slow head turn to see Jason standing behind him and he's got that oh fuck look on his face. We stood up, and the and the the heavy metal music just kicks in. Dun, 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 dun. We all stood up and were screaming, just you know, chanting "fuck yeah" at the top of our lungs. And we didn't sit back down until like the end. I swear, because <laughs> it was just so, so awesome. Like it just was nonstop from then on out. The fight between those two, and so bloody and ah, oh, beautiful. I think I want to watch that right now. <laughs> I'll be right back. Cool. So, yeah, Friday the 13th. Um, summer camp. Movies. So, we mentioned a good chunk of them, but most of the ones we mentioned didn't really have anything to do summer camp. <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> what else do we want to get into? Who wants to bring up a wants to bring up a title, summer camp movie? Terry, what about you? Terry. Oh my gosh, so much pressure. Um <laughs> I watched a couple for this one. Um I watched cheerleader camp last night Woo! so that <laughs> one's fresh <laughs> um it was silly <laughs> it's a shit fest but it, it, it was fun though like i had oh, a yeah, good time watching it the rap the <laughs> oh, the rap. oh my god it's That's so bad ever. <laughs> they can't even stick to the beat yeah like. exactly <laughs> And the beat is is like, boom, boom, boom. It's like so slow anyway, and they still can't keep up with it. It's the Jason. You, Jason, you watched it too. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and we watched. They're it right. The rap was the worst. It was the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the um, the fat sidekick best friend guy. Oh. <laughs> Yep. Whatever that character, Tim, I can't remember Timmy. his name. Timmy. Yeah. Who he surprisingly, was... that guy's still alive. Huh. <laughs> I'm just saying, he was huge. 
He he was probably the best part. He's best part of the movie. Yeah, he was he by far really the best suffered, character. Uh, yeah, he's very like he's like a young Joe Flyshaker or something like a very. <laughs> <laughs> he seems more more uh, fitting for like a trauma movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think Lucinda Dickey uh, saves the movie. I always like her and stuff. Which one was Lucinda Dickey? Corey, the mascot. Oh, the, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. What else has she been in? Because Nin- Ninja Three, uh, uh, Breaking and Breaking Breakin Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's right. She was like okay. the Canon Films, yeah, leading lady in the. 80s, and that's basically. I think that's why I kind of like her. I mean, and I did not get around to things. <laughs> I missed this one. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, but now I'm definitely going to have to because yeah, listen to Dickie and Leif Garrett. That's pretty wonderful. <laughs> and Buck Flower, yeah. Who's in oh, everything. Well. And he should yeah. be. I, That's right. I need to count how many movies that I own that he's in. It's probably like half my collection. <laughs> I mean, Christ, he's in uh, uh, the Back to the Future movies. Or at least, what? Yep. Is he in all? No, he's just the first I two, I think. That's yeah, the, at least the, the first two. The bum on the bench. But yeah, yeah, he's in everything. If it was made in the 80s, they're just like, quick, get him in here. He'll do it for a yep. cheeseburger. He also had a a parallel career uh, earlier on in probably the late 60s through the 70s uh, producing porn under a different name, but that's for another show. (laughs) No shit. I did not know that about Did I not know that? I know. He'll always be the janitor from Sorority Babes on Bubblerama for me. Love that movie. Me too. Wait for the release. I know, right? Oh, I listened to a podcast the other day, Projection Booth, actually. Did an interview with Dave Dakota about Sorority Babes, and he just went on and on and on about uh, about the Blu-ray release and how the Blu-ray. I guess back in the day, there was a film student that brought some camera equipment and was just filming behind the scenes um, constantly on the on the set of Sorority Babes, and Dave Dave got his hands on all that footage. So there's like an hour and a half making of. Oh wow. Um, on the Blu-ray of Sorority Babes. And finally, a commentary track as well. So, yes. I'm so excited. That's one of my faves. Sorority Babes. I mean, it's no cheerleader camp. No, clearly not. When you said Sorority Babes, that's what but that's the interview with David Dakota that they do on the projection booth. That's where I heard the thing about him being a producer of adult movies. Oh, the, oh, he mentioned... That's where he mentioned that? I must have missed that part. Yeah. Okay. I'll go back and listen to it again. It's still saved on my phone. Terry, tell us about Cheerleader Camp. What's it about? Well, there's this camp, and a bunch of cheerleaders go to it <laughs> <laughs> to, I guess, hone their skills, and they have this... Um, they have, like, competitions. Like, there's, like... I think they called it the Queen Competition... Something, Something like that. Lame like that. Uh, and all the, the girls. The competition was pretty lame as well. Yeah, oh, God, was, it was bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> all it was is they just walked around, waved at the audience, and then they voted. Yeah. Um, but then people start turning up dead. But it's really disconcerting. Like, I know it's supposed to be like a horror comedy, but they don't seem concerned at all that these people are dying. Um. But yeah, I don't want to spoil the twists and things. 
but there's like a head cheerleader, Allison, who acts like she's losing her mind and stuff. I don't know. Betsy Russell. It's pretty predictable, yeah, Betsy Russell, but yeah. fun. Overpriced Betsy Russell. <laughs> there's Sorry, some boobs. Just, That's yeah, why you guys uh, like it. And they're <laughs> decent, too. I mean, there's some good ones. Yeah, um, you mentioned it was predictable. Like, they they try to make so many characters as a red herring. Yeah. But uh, I knew right, ab- right away when I was watching. I'm like, oh, that's going to be the killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one that isn't a red herring. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all right. It was still fun. Who would have thought oh, Donald yeah. Trump showed up in that movie and killed everybody? Huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you're also right, too, about just how, like, People didn't seem to care yeah. that people were dying. Like, Especially that first cheerleader. Yeah. Um, she just, runs in there and finds her dead in bed and like no one else reacts to I it. I know. Yeah, they're just like, like, oh yeah, let's... They didn't even like have a moment of silence. They or... didn't even call the cops. They just threw her in the <laughs> fridge. Her in the fucking freezer, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, just throw her in there. We'll deal with this after the competition. Yeah. The cheerleading is life. Oh, and then there's the skeezy sheriff, too. Like, I don't oh. really even understand what the point of his storyline was. Just to be other there to have creepy. The, other than to have that weird fetish sex scene between him and the the lead counselor or whatever. What, the, like the football player and the... Yeah, and she's cheering him on. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Here's why he was in the movie. He was one of the producers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and here's why. Here's why that character has a sex scene because he's, he's one, of, one the of the producers. I did one of my favorite, like favorite laugh out loud moments is when Timmy is like spying on them, and he like actually has like a periscope that goes up in the window. I'm like, where the fuck did you get that? <laughs> like, this was a random <laughs> periscope lane beside that building. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Oh, the movie is so it, cheesy. It's it's so amazing. It does have one of my favorite kills in any horror movie, actually. Surprisingly. The uh the, the shears through the back of the head and out the mouth. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah it's, that was I mean good it's one. not like extremely well done, but I saw this movie when I was uh, I was younger. I mean I I wasn't quite a teenager. So it was the early nineties, but uh for some reason that scene always stuck out with me. And then I completely forgot about the movie for years and then I picked up you know, the movie for like $3 a half price books and watched. I was like, holy fuck, there it is. I was, you know, yeah. wondered what the hell it was, but. Well, it's the only real kill you only, get to see in the movie, too. It's the too. only good kill. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see Timmy get gutted, but you can't really get a scope on why he's getting, where, where the. Uh, the 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 weapon is coming from that guts him. Yeah. So all of a yeah. sudden, there's a big wound on his belly and his guts spill out. And then there's like a bear trap too. Oh, the bear but trap! But that's all that such. Was... It's like also dark that you can't really see much yeah. of anything. Yeah. Um. Oh, speaking of the speaking of the deaths and the the gore in this movie, so they write off the the first cheerleader they find dead as a suicide oh yeah that's right because her wrists are slit but why did she have blood coming out of her mouth <laughs> does that happen she tried to lick her wounds or something i don't know <laughs> carpenter rule <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> You're looking way too deep into the movie called Cheerleader Camp. Because they didn't, did they really even show? Apparently they didn't look deep enough. I, th- I feel it. like when they first show her laying there, like they don't even really, I didn't notice her wrists anyway. Like, so the way they denoted that she was dead was the blood coming out of her mouth is what I was getting well, out of it. But I remember seeing blood on the wrists, but then there was that a close that, up ba- that blatantly obvious bad makeup job uh-huh. effects makeup effects job where they lift up her arm to show the wrist and you see the makeup appliance is like ten inches extended <laughs> off of like her wrist. So tall. <laughs> yeah. Like what did she what did she use to like slit her wrists with? A blender? I mean <laughs> the flesh just pulled way back there. <laughs> She's just playing with it till she died. <laughs> don't don't pick at it; it won't heal. <clears throat> Jason, you have anything to add about cheerleader camp? Oh, uh, I thought it. Uh, I, I, it felt stronger in the beginning, but by the time it was over, it's like, damn, it was a really cheesy, low budget shit fest. Yeah. I was comparing the movie when I was telling you about it. I was comparing it to Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. And maybe part of that is because it was also ran that, around that same time period. Um, and all the poofy bangs and all the great 80s nostalgia of those movies. But just just on a budgetary standpoint, you know, watching Cheerleader Camp, there's really not a lot of production value in the movie... I mean, a lot of the shots are kept close up. There's no real, any wide establishing shots to really give you a scope of the environment of the camp itself, even individual rooms. It felt like the whole movie was shot in like two or three, two or three locations, like outside a bedroom and then like the hall. And so things are kept tight so you don't ever get a full look at how many quote-unquote cheerleaders are at this camp because obviously they didn't have a shit ton of extras i mean there was a few moments where you'd see some you'd see some extras and some um some um other things going on but for the most part the the film was just shot really flat and really really tight to kind of cover up the fact that they probably didn't have shit for money and that kind of reminds me, especially of Sleepaway Camp 3, because I feel like 2 got most of the budget when they shot those movies back-to-back. But even in Sleepaway Camp 2, you get a little bit more of establishment of, of the locations um, in much wider, wider shots, but still a very minuscule cast when it should be this big camp full of cheerleaders from all over the state or whatever. So, anyway. Leaf Garrett. Woo! Call teenager. Too old to be playing a teenager. <laughs> he, he, well, really, the budget went to him. And I don't, I don't know why they thought that maybe having his name on the movie would make it money, but that clearly backfired. <laughs> well, it's, well, yeah, it totally backfired, because one, his acting is horrible. Terrible. That rap. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, and then there's the rap. But beyond that, like, I mean, yes, I knew some guys in high school that already had receding hairlines, but come on. Oh, my friend Chris was, like, almost fully bald by the time he was 18. But still, like, he, he looked like 
He, he was mom. obviously in his 30s, and he looked like he was in his 40s. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was clearly there lying to people. Like, yep, I'm in high school. <laughs> you know? Hey, ladies, how's it going? He's like, yep, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. No. Oh, he's no, so bad. She, yep, I'm a musician. I can no. rap. Oh, that guy should just... And all I can think when I watch that movie now is his uh, Behind the Music on VH1. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he crippled the dude. I never saw that. <laughs> like, he crippled really? his best friend. Like, drove off, what is it, wrecked the car, drove off a cliff or whatever, and his best friend became paralyzed. And he's like, God, Leif Garrett is such a shit stain. They put him in a movie? Fuck. Like, his... Zambi, his original claim to fame, though, right, was that he was a musician, musician well, in the 70s. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a teen throb kind of thing. I don't know why anybody thought he was... <laughs> I mean, I'm not into dudes or nothing, but whoa, really? That guy? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he was like a... Like a... 17... Pinup... Yeah, you know, guy. Tiger beat kind of thing. Tiger beat kind of guy from the seventies, but I honestly, for the longest time, could, I mean, I knew the name, but could not tell you what his claim to fame was. And even still, okay, he was a musician. What? what I, was yeah, I don't songs? even. I know what his claim wasn't. Cheerleader camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, he's. Like it, yeah. Maybe uh, we just shouldn't talk about Life Garrett anymore. It's giving him power. <laughs> Terry asked me last night, she's like, should I watch this or not? And I'm like, you know, so I've been handed the power that Mike abuses immediately. <laughs> and he's like, fuck yeah, this movie's great. And then, yeah, tricks Terry into watching films. So I tried to be not such a jerk about it like you are. <laughs> I tried to be like, you know, it's not bad it's but it's it's good bad right yeah was i i overdo it no it's not good but it's it bad was fun good. though i enjoyed watching yeah. it for the most bad. part it wasn't any don't look in the basement no i still stand bes- i still stand beside you um <laughs> well we also and we also kind of learned some trivia about about cheerleader camp there was um, a sequel in the works. That's how well this movie was originally received. That there, that it, it warranted a sequel. It was eventually made. It was eventually made. And then name. I mean, it has kind of a fun poster. I like. The poster's great. The poster's good. But yeah, the 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 studio that made the sequel went belly up before it was finished, so it got. Finished and retitled by a different studio. Huh. I forget the name years, of it. Years though. later, yeah. But it also has Betsy Russell in it. She came oh. back, but not as the same character. I don't think. Uh, well, she needed the money. <laughs> the convention circuit wasn't, you know, pulling in the the dough. <laughs> Sorry, she. I saw her at a convention. And she was charging like forty dollars for an autograph, and then like another twenty for a picture with her. I'm like, uh, I'm like, fuck you, you're not worth that. You're like, you're Betsy Russell. Was that after the Saw franchise? It was, before? but let's be oh, honest, okay. like, come on, she's still not worth that. Well, she would probably be within the top 50 
uh, actors I would want to meet from the soft franchise. <laughs> true. Yep, that's true. Still not worth it. No, no, no. Just she still looks good for her age. I mean, I was gonna say, but she's still hot. Yeah, she still looks good. I mean, I wouldn't kick her out of bed, but. <laughs> Oh. That's your leader camp. Yep. Um, Shizzle. All right. Well, let's move on to another film. Uh, Susie, do you have a summer camp movie that springs to mind? Of course. <laughs> awesome. Um, all the sleepaway camps. I yeah. Yes. I mean, camp's in the title. That's kind of <laughs> What? What? Say again. So camp is in the title. Yes. So it has to be. It has to be. Right. Um, has any, everybody seen all of them or just. Oh, yeah. Yes. Even yeah. Return to Sleep Week. Yes. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen I haven't that seen, one. <laughs> no, I have it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it's good that we don't, we don't need. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not. It's not that. Just the characters are. That one character. Jesus, I can't remember, like, that everybody picked on, and, like, he, they, they tried to make him, like, a bully, but just everybody picked on him, and it really kind of depowered him, and I kind of questioned if he was on the spectrum for most of the movie. You know you know who I'm talking about, John? Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched it, clearly. He was so goddamn annoying. He's what ruined the movie. Other than that, it wouldn't, I don't think it would have been that bad. Of course, then again, he was, like, kind of the central character. Yeah. So, so then, are you just talking about the original uh, trilogy there, Susie? Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I don't know what your guys' favorite or favorite was, but I think number two was the best. Yes, I yes, agree. two is my favorite. I totally, totally agree. I agree. Yep. <laughs> the first one's iconic. Don't get me wrong; it's a mediocre slash. Well, I don't even want to say mediocre slasher. It's a subpar slasher with a great ending. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Iconic. And there's there's nothing memorable about that movie except for the ending. You know, I mean, really? and the ant, the ant is creepy as fuck. She scares the yeah. hell out of me. She's awesome. I take that back. She's the best part yeah. about this movie. <laughs> she is so oh, fucking Christ. It's gonna give me nightmares just thinking about her. She is so fucking creepy. <sighs> I also like the uh, the the corn death where like the cook is like boiling corn or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a I good do kind kill. Of remember that. I never would have thought it was her, though. When I watched that movie, I never thought it was going to be her. I thought it was going to be her brother, but I didn't think it was going to be her. Yeah, they do. They really try to uh, create such a red herring with um, with Ricky, making you think it's Ricky. You know, kind of he kind of flies off the handle. You know, and he's always overly protective of Angela, and anybody that does Angela wrong ends up dead. So. I wonder why they made that into such a twist at the end, though. What was the purpose of doing that? I've never researched it. I just wondered. I really think it's just a sign of the times. I mean, these slashers were in full swing. What year was the original Sleepaway Camp? Anybody? 1984. Yeah, came okay, in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you're Sorry. Really? Yeah. Okay, so 83, you're talking at the thick of slashers. Right. And these things are just getting produced one by one by one at a rapid rate. I mean, you think we have a lot of ghost movies nowadays. That's nothing compared to what 
What? We do. That's <laughs> nothing many. compared to the amount of slashers that came out. Um, <clears throat> there, were, there was more slashers made in, I think, it was either 1982 or 1983 than, than there were of all horror movies made in the past, like, two years. So, anyway... Um, <clears throat> Maybe a slight exaggeration, but anyway, I'm, I'm <laughs> facts. But I'm just saying though that like a lot of these were really, really starting to become rather cookie cutter, and the only thing they could think to do at the time, especially with uh, their limited budgets, was to come up with crazy ass endings. Mm. You know, like Happy Birthday to Me. Right. That that ending's fucked up, and and so I, I think that it has a lot to do with it I think it's just a matter of like how can we separate our movie out from the stacks of other movies that are that are just like this so I think that honestly I think that's where the ending came from if there's something deeper to that I, right. I just don't know but was there even a reason why I can't I can't even remember but was there even a reason why they changed her into a little girl you remember? I remember like that one scenario with the boat and all that stuff, and then the two kids are sitting on the bed, and it's like, you know, what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that whole thing with? I don't like. I don't remember why it even turned out that she was changed. Well, I think the crazy aunt just wanted a little girl. I think I can't remember. Was it? Did somebody pass away? I think like one of the two kids that were in that boating accident in the beginning of the movie right. was one of the aunt was was the aunt's little girl, right? Oh. Am I think I'm remembering this right? And so since the little girl died, the aunt wanted a daughter, so she just turned uh, you know Angela into a girl. Which I always thought the aunt was really an uncle. Could be. I mean, you're, I always you could be right. That. You could be right. Um, uh, I'm going to plug another podcast here, but uh, uh, and I need to listen to that episode again. I should have listened to it for this episode um, because they spent okay. Yeah, how would this get made? Probably my favorite podcast, the podcast that got me into podcasting, um, did an episode on Sleepaway Camp. Now these guys aren't horror aficionados by any stretch of the imagination. So listen to normies talk, trying to mm-hmm. dissect and figure out what's going on in Sleepaway Camp is fucking hilarious. <laughs> they spend a good 20 minutes just trying to figure out the beginning of the movie. <laughs> they could not wrap their brain around the beginning of the movie. What was the be- um, what was so, the beginning of the movie wasn't... Well, they were trying to figure out, like, like who's related to who, because, oh. like, it starts off, there's... There's two guys. It's two guys and two kids. There's like right. the guy on the beach and the and the man in the boat with the kids, mm-hmm. and they theorized because you learn later in the movie that um, oh Jesus, I, oh shit, I'm trying to remember that. <laughs> I think it was An- Angela's dad and the aunt's husband were gay lovers. See, that's where I thought that it was the aunt was really a dude and he was with him. See you. You may be right. Maybe that aunt. Maybe that aunt was the guy on the was the guy on the beach the whole time. But it, there's a line of dialogue that the man on the beach yells to the guy in the boat. The doctor is coming, or something along those lines. Right. Some kind of line like that. And we learn in um, the aunt's dialogue that she's a doctor. Oh, that's right. Because then she's like, "Oh, they don't have to do a physical on you, Angela. You know, because she's got that whatever. You know, the- which is." 
which is a great way of explaining away how no one has able, been able to figure out that Angela's really a boy. Uh, <laughs> how the ant can hide it. Because the yes. ant's a duck. <clears throat> and nuts. So, uh, <laughs> I really should listen to that episode again. It's so funny. But it, but it really... It, it really remind you know refreshes my memory a lot on like what's going on in the beginning and those flashbacks those crazy flashbacks that happened. Um, so it really doesn't tell you why she even wants to kill people. Because she's fucking nuts because of her aunt. That's it. That's really that's really <laughs> it's, yeah. Her Plain aunt just totally fucked with her head so much she just kind of goes nuts. That's all I can think of. Yeah, it's that it's that trope of you know early slashers of like some kind of some kind of you know, trauma that happened in the past that pushed him over the edge, but this has got a whole different level of trauma. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't like, you know, watching your parents get killed or, you know, or or getting set on fire or whatever, uh, or drowning as a little boy. This is like your aunt is turning you into a girl. <laughs> your crazy aunt. This is what happens when people are forced into a gender box and not allowed to use yes. the bathroom that they feel comfortable in. Take note, conservatives. And <laughs> 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 I always work at Target. I always go to Target. Not there. Anyways, uh, okay, so then you take from number one into number two, and you turn it into the rock and roll, sex, drugs, and more sex. Yeah. Okay, so we got number two. And that, I like the Angela in that one, but I really don't like, what, number th- number three and four? Where's one that's different? Or are they well, the same? Okay. Well, see, two and three were literally shot back to back at the same right. time. I remember you guys so, saying that. Yeah, so um, both of those have Pamela Springsteen playing Angela. And the themes are, are basically the same. Um where it's just like it, it turns into a morality tale, and that's Angela's motive. Now, four was the one that was never finished. Survivor? Okay. Yeah, Survivor. I think you're right. And then so what had happened was is they took that footage and and they made a movie out of that footage by taking by, and filling the holes with literally scenes from the other three films. Okay, because I have not seen it yet, but I do, I have it, but I haven't watched it yet because I keep finding that people are ripping it apart and I don't know if I want to take the time yet until I'm really bored. I want, I want that hour uh, and a half back. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get everything. Yeah. Back. I, the best, the best um, uh, way to watch part four is if you were to lucky enough to find a copy or if you already have your hands on a copy, of the Sleepaway Camp box set from several years back, put up by Anchor Bay. I don't remember. Um, I have the one that has the copyrighted first aid first that, aid logo. That, that's yeah. exactly what I was just gonna say. I did the Hate same thing. You both. The the day I remember, I was at college and I was just happened to check Dread Central that day, and I'm sitting in my dorm, I was like, oh, I got a minute to kill between classes. I'll see what's new in the world of horror, and like the top article on their site at that moment was that uh, the Red Cross sued Anchor Bay and forced them to pull that from circulation. And I went, holy shit, I was at Best Buy like two days ago and they had one. I gotta run back and see. So I immediately went and jumped in my car and drove down to Waterloo. (laughs) 
<laughs> from like I was went to college in Waverly, so I wasn't that far away from Waterloo. Just, like hauled ass down to Waterloo, and sure enough, it was still there and grabbed it. Oh, yep. lucky duck, and, nice. And that is how I've seen. Like I have not seen the well, quote unquote, finished version of four, but by God, I slogged through. Like yeah. seventy fucking takes of only two or three different scenes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I bet there is a good hour and a half worth of material on that disc, and it's just the same take over and over and over again. Yeah, and believe it or not, it's probably better to watch it in that format than the actual finished film with all the. Because yeah. it's like literally like somebody laying on a dock and and not even any real dialogue. It's just voiceover narrative saying. Oh, I remember the the tales of Angela, and then it flashes back to like all the kill scenes from part one, and then it's just so unrelated to each other. It's bad. It's really bad. It was a total like trying to do something with what they had. They tried. They tried. They failed. So just watching the raw is probably better. But why do you like part two? Do I have to say it again? Oh, yeah, you said sex, sex and drugs and rock and roll yeah. and sex. I don't, it's more sex, yes. You can't tell me that that, I think... You're right, I can't argue. Okay, that. thank you. I didn't think we were probably going to say it. It's, it's so over-the-top and funny intentionally. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a send-up. It's not, you know, just trying to be the slasheriest slasher movie. It's, you know, two movies into the franchise, and they're already doing a parody version, basically. And that's, yeah. And it's a great parody, too. It's one of the best... Intentionally funny slasher movies that has probably ever been done. Agreed. Agreed. Plus, you got the uh, the whole decapitation by lawnmower. Yeah, I can't miss. Yeah, you can't. And the death in the shit house. That's awesome. That's a, that's what <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say. Yep, yep. That's almost one. like it. That's almost like an iconic thing for the Sleepaway Camp movies. There was an out. There was an outhouse scene in the first movie. It's as if. You were to buy the Angel action figure, it should come with the outhouse playset. Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Emailing NECA right now. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So who is that guy? I can never remember that guy's name. Um and number three. Michael the, J. Pollard. Is that the old guy? <laughs> yeah. The creepy guy? Yeah. yeah. Michael J. Pollard. All I can think of is this damn belt buckle you guys remember <laughs> that part he's just like you know doing his thing there yeah you know this belt buckle it's like that's yeah. the only part i ever think about with that whole movie except for that well the milkshake thing whatever but you guys <laughs> know what I'm talking about, right yeah <laughs> milkshake okay. oh it's been a while i don't remember the milkshake oh thing gosh like you gotta get in there um no it's it's been a while it's been a while what's ah. the milkshake i can't remember the boobs the boobs, come on. Oh yeah, duh. Okay, I thought it, I was thinking like kills and stuff. Okay, yeah, duh. Milkshake. I remember now. You remember now that? Just, you forgot yeah, the boobs. Right, yeah. How, how yeah, could you how, forget the boobs? I must be sick. You must Weird. be. I mean, they, right. they, they barely showed, but they were there. That's right. Okay. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I also remember because. I remember reading about part three in Fangoria. Actually, okay, here's the thing. This is this is how I first knew that part two and part three were shot back to back. There was an article in Fangoria magazine back in the day when they were making part two, 
and they showed, um, and that was when I was really just, gimme gore, gimme gore, gimme gore. So I judged the quality of Fangoria magazines by the amount of gore effects in it, uh, gore, gore pictures in it. And in that article, they had a picture of the effect of the, of the kid who had, his, who had his face blown off by the firecracker. But that was in part three. But they were showing it in conjunction with part two. It was part two. The firecracker was part two, oh, are yeah. you sure? It, I, it was part yeah, three. you better do the Google on that because I know it was on number two. God damn it. Because All right. he was the one that had the, what the heck? Was he the one with the Jason mask on? Oh, the firecrackers. No, I'm sorry. My bad. I am wrong. It is number three. Okay. Yes. Sorry about that. Okay. That's okay. Clear that. Not a, not a problem. But that's a cool scene in two where the kid, one kid dresses up like. As long as you're not wrong, it's not a problem. Yeah, as long as I'm, as long as I'm right, we're cool. you're right. We're perfectly fine. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, and how many people remember the poster for part two? Oh, yeah, I do. Definitely. That's a great poster. That's with all the icons on it, right? With the um. The mask, the glove, yeah. and the chainsaw. Who is over the her girl? Shoulder. Yeah. That's Angela. That's right. Yeah. Is it like the whole pretty woman thing where they just use somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. I always wondered, though, like, why, um, I mean, I loved Pamela Springsteen, and it's probably for the best, but I never understood why Felicia Rose didn't reprise the role for part two and three. She Do you think it would have had the same effect? Yeah, she, I don't think it would have. I, I, I actually uh, coincidentally just let's do a podcast with her, uh, the Movie Crypt podcast. I don't know if you know it. Oh yeah, I know it. Yeah, um, Adam Green and Joe Lynch's <laughs> right, right. Podcast. Yeah. yeah, I guess she, I guess she actually like auditioned for that and got turned down. I think. Holy shit! I forget why, but uh, was it because she was too pretty or something like that? They, no. Well, I know for the, I think that's it was, not it. I think for the first one. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded way <laughs> weird. <laughs> well, we know how John feels. Oh, no, it's just. Oh. Anyway. But no, I, I think for like the first one, she almost didn't get hired because she said she was like too ethnic, just because she had like dark hair. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. But like being too pretty, I could actually, I could actually almost, almost understand that. I mean, if you look at her now, she's pretty well endowed, and she's a pretty lady, really, really girly like. And Pamela Springsteen's got a little bit more of a tomboy look to her, yeah, which I think would be more fitting for Angela. So she's an adorable tomboy that has a penis. <laughs> the car. I'm out of here. Nope. unfortunately pamela springsteen does not do anything ever involving interviews or conventions yeah i wonder why that is i don't know uh justin said that he's because i was asking him about it uh, a while back and he's like i've been trying to like find (laughs) some sort of contact for her and he's like i can't get anything I think she just doesn't want to be, you know, and I don't know. She just doesn't want, nobody wants to talk to her. She doesn't want anybody to talk to her, I guess, about it. I don't think she's ashamed. At least I hope she's not. 
Their brother Bruce probably got on her. Hey. Like, what are you he's doing? Pr- he's probably he's paying her to like just don't fucking talk about this shit. Making me there can only be one Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and honestly, a lot of it might be if she's at a convention. Well, guarantee you, people are going to ask about her brother. Mm-hmm. And that's going to yeah. get the fuck out of her. So that could be part of it. That would make sense. Because I mean, it's not, I don't know though, but like, like you know, uh, uh, well, he's kind of a musician. It's he's one of the most famous famous musicians that you know is alive right now. That and people are but, dicks. <laughs> but we're all horror fans on this on this show here, though. And if she was at a convention, and you could ask her one question, would it be about her brother, or would it be about being in Sleepaway Camp Part 2 and 3? I would ask her about the movies, but there are people out there that would ask about her brother. It's probably those Walking Dead fans at Panda. Yeah. Fuck, fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> do, we still, do we still have that uh, my rant? Do we still have that? We need to put... That should be you... a uh, Patreon thing. Yeah. Here, here Drunk John that, rants that. about how he hates The Walking Dead. <laughs> Fuck, I just want to hear it because I, I mean, I kind of remember it. I've heard so much about this rant and I still haven't got a chance to actually hear it yet. I'm just excited to hear the rant. It's legendary. <laughs> I really, really fucking hate The Walking Dead. But anyway. Oh, you're not wrong. That show fucking sucks. First season, though. Save it for the TV it's horror amazing. episode, boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are going to. Okay, anyway. But yeah, we, we, we <laughs> that that uh that uh out sometime and. Bring it to the masses. Anyway. <laughs> so are we all on the same page? Part two is our favorites? Yeah, it seems that I way. Guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. And then I would Did I would it? say part one is my second favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> part three is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Michael J. Pollard. He, he saves it slightly. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the, he's he's one of those about, character actors that's just great in everything. He elevates everything he's in. Anytime you see him show yeah. up on screen, it just makes you happy. He's the best part of uh, House of Thousand Corpses. Not that I hate that movie or anything, but it's something about that guy's character in that movie. It's just, he's, really, he's really no different in any film. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's to, just him. I don't know how to word this, but is he special? I don't know. But the thing is, it's like... That he's, just, he's just off. Like, did something Sir, hit him on his head when he was young? You're not, you're not wrong. Or, or maybe he did a lot of acid back in the day. That could be too. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, if he, he could be. He could be, but... And it's not like he's in these movies and being exploited because he's been in real Hollywood shit yeah. too. I always remember him from Scrooge and Roxanne. Oh, Scrooge is such a good fucking movie. You know, and then so he'll do those movies, and then he'll turn around and do Sleepaway Camp three, or he'll do John Russo's Innocent Blood. Not Innocent Blood. That's um, that's um, John Landis. Um, um, shit, I can't remember the name of John Russo's vampire movie. Um, uh. Oh shit. Oh. Uh. You know, Let's take away his movie geek pass. You know that crown with the people movie. and that guy. Well, it's, the it got renamed. It got renamed when in, when um when I think it was Shriek Show put it out on DVD. Oh, like uh, something carving or something like that was the new title, but the original title. God dang it! 
the hell's the name of it? It's like one of the last things Tom Savini ever contributed special effects makeup to as well. Heartstoppers. Damn it. Thank you. What? <laughs> oh. Was that the movie that Bob Keane directed? Or am I thinking of something else? You're thinking of something else. because John Russo directed Heartstoppers. Oh, okay. And it was based off of one of his books. Had Tom Savini playing a a pretty big part in it plays this cop and it's a movie about this uh guy who um in victorian times gets gets um put on trial for being a vampire and is and is executed being a va- for being a vampire but he's executed in the fashion of killing a vampire stake through the heart and all this stuff and in john russo's world mythology um the ritual in which they killed him as a vampire is what actually turned him into a vampire and he is resurrected in modern times and and starts killing people as a oh, thirst this, for blood this does not look good i want i just judge you by the <laughs> no no but i mean that in a great way like i really want to see this now just the, the and, cover of the vhs look looks horrible is it the him standing there dripping wet yeah and, and but yeah. it says heart stopper and then there's like the you know the heart blip on a heart monitor <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. What's crazy about that movie is that he shot the film and then spent years trying to raise the money to get it distributed. And it ended up just getting bought out by Tempe Video, of all places. The guy who made Robot Ninja, for crying out loud, and The Dead Next Door, J.R. Bookwalter, oh, yeah. Ended, up, yeah. ended up releasing this really shitty transfer VHS copy of this movie. Um, I mean, it's on DVD now, thanks to Shriek Show, but... Um, it's got the movie also has Moon Unit Zappas in it. I got to see yep. this movie. Exactly. <laughs> and and uh, um, and Tom Savini plays this cop who's like avenging the death of his daughter or something like that, and is hunting down the vampire. But there's also the vampire has this ancestor that is also in modern times a serial killer and is a copycat killer, um, copycatting his ancestors vampire kills but he's a serial kid it's fucking weird and messed up and very low budget but yeah john you'll love it i'm all over the amazon here i come <laughs> heart stopper not heart stoppers is the bob keen movie i just had i had to look that up it's like prolific yeah. special effects guy I did the hellraiser movies uh, mm-hmm. uh dog soldiers some other really great low budget stuff as well as the hellraiser movies he worked on alien event horizon and he directed the, <laughs> the Canadian children's movie To Catch a Yeti, which features threatened child on child sexual violence and stars Meatloaf. What? It's Why don't I own this on all formats? <laughs> the laser disc of this motherfucker hanging on they, my wall. They played it at a couple of years ago, and me and my buddy Foy just had an ungodly fun time tearing it apart. It's. It's yeah, one of a kind. Sorry, that was completely off the topic. But <laughs> well, I know what movie you're talking about, Heartstopper, though, because every time I went to the video store hoping that finally Heartstoppers would come out, I'd find Heartstopper on the shelf and be like, "Is this it?" Oh no, it's not. Yeah, I rented it one time. It's really boring, which is depressing because I'm such a big fan of his other, well, not directorial work necessarily. Although he did direct <laughs> Proteus, which is a fun uh, low budget. 
monster movie from the 90s, but based on a novel by the guy who wrote the novel Carnosaur, which the Roger Corman movie is based on. Oh, nice. Anyway. So, uh, summer camp movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and people should remember that we do have commentary tracks for the Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 if you look back into our past episodes. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Terry. Those episodes are which ones again? They are episodes <laughs> 53, 53 and 80 are the two different commentaries. Nice recovery. I was purposely trying to um, put you on the spot and threw you off, but you I called win. my bluff. You won. You won. Drop the mic. Um, okay. Anything else we need to add about Sleepaway Camp? franchise apparently not if we've gone off on that far of a tangent we stopped caring long ago about how awesome those movies are and we need to talk about john russo (laughs) you know give him a cheeseburger he needs to eat you know you know you've really devolved in your conversation about a particular movie when john russo gets brought up anyway he's a nice guy he just he's a nice guy he needs the money and I, I have a weird fascination for John Russo's work because I actually own the Heartstoppers novel and the original Return of Living Dead novel, the one that is completely unrelated to the final project, yeah. the final, final film. Um, but I'm also, and I, I'm like a weird fa- fan of like all of that stuff, like the Majorettes. I love that movie. I need to see that just because of the uh, like the poster alone. Oh, the poster was cool. It. What's interesting about John Russo's writing is that he can't seem to stick to one plot line. Like he thinks he's putting like these weird twists and turns into his stories, and they're it's kind of there, but it just ends up being more along. When you see the final film, it ends up being more along the lines of like, yeah, I'm deciding I'm going to tell this story instead. Like, there have been times yeah. where it's just completely changes focus on who the protagonist is in the movie. He just has ADD, or ADHD. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um, also, uh, Midnight, you ever seen his movie mm-hmm. Midnight? John Russo's Midnight? Which has uh, John Amplis in it, which is interesting. And Tom Savini effects in it. Um, even though there's not a ton. That's a, like a hillbilly horror movie, right? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard. I've never seen it, but I, I've heard of it. I know what you're talking about. I can envision the cover art, like from the VHS box. I think I still have a poster for that somewhere. It's a cool looking poster, and it even has um, Lawrence Tierney in it. Of all of all things, which is weird. Um, and then what was the other Russo movie? Well, it really wasn't a Russo movie. It was more of a Bill Heinzman movie, but. Um, uh, Russo, I think, was involved. Uh, was Flesh Eater? Uh, Flesh Eater, yeah. Yeah. Basically, Bill Heinzman trying to reprise this zombie character from he, My Living Dead. He really, really wanted some money. Yep. And then, like, in the later days, like, uh, with Seduction Video or uh, Shakarama Video or whatever that label, the head label's called, they did that Santa Claus movie. With Debbie Rashawn, and it's really, really bad. John Russo wrote and directed that one. Anyway, there you go. There's your history on Russo. Now, <clears throat> uh, let's talk about <laughs> the burning. Can't movies. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Did you want to talk about the burning? We can talk about the burning. 
Might as well. All right. The burning. Take it away, Terry. (laughs) (laughs) I already had to talk about one. I did watch this one recently. I don't remember what episode it was for. But I did. Yeah, why did... Yeah, we discussed this on an episode before, but I don't... Yeah, fairly recently. Slashers? Um, No, but it was... Yeah, that was probably it. Probably. It it was good, though. I really enjoyed the burning, uh, like, the raft scene. Oh, from uh, the raft scene. Uh, Fisher Stevens. A very, very young Fisher Stevens. Super young. He's, what, like, 15? If that? I mean, super young. Uh, And I like the, the shears as the weapon. Yes, yes. And I love how it's consistently the shears through the whole movie, too. A lot of slashers where they try to get inventive with, with, oh, now let's use this weapon or whatever. Hey, I found a twig. Let's use this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But what's great is that they they have to think of inventive (laughs) ways of using the shears again. You know, mm-hmm. get pierced in the neck or having your fingers chopped off. Or <laughs> Sorry, Fisher yeah. Stevens. Didn't mean to cut <laughs> off your fingers there. And a young Jason Alexander's in that movie. Yeah, oh, yes. he's got hair. Yes. And Holly Hunter. And a young Holly Hunter. Who thankfully exactly. yeah. does not speak much in that movie. Hey. She's a good actress, but her voice makes me want to punch Yeah, them. I think it was before she had the stroke. And her, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> It's not. No. That's just how she talks. That's, yeah. that's yeah. That's how she make talks. Make up reasons for things and think they're facts. That's why the piano is her best movie. Hey, <laughs> that's not why. It's because Harvey Keitel's penis. Harvey Keitel's penis. the best movie. Uh, uh, anyway, you think the piano is Holly Hunter's best movie above The Incredibles or Crash, where she gets fucked in a car wreck? Oh yeah. I like it because she doesn't talk, Brian. <laughs> Oh. Stay with us okay. here. Stay with us here. <laughs> I forgot you had a drink. Jesus. I forgot she was Mrs. Incredible, though. Yeah, she's yeah. Well, it's her. her. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Back to burning. <laughs> Burning's awesome. I love the look of Cropsy. You know, he doesn't have to wear a mask. His face is the mask, you know. And I thought, I think, like... I think I'm gonna say it. You know, oh, oh. we all have our opinions on Tom Savini, the man, but his effects work still stands up, and I think it's one of the best-looking burns, burn um, victims of all time. Maybe even better than Freddy. Just saying. What? Well, Freddy was never realistic. Yeah, he was kind of exaggerated. It, yeah, yeah, he. I don't think he was ever really truly meant to be realistic. Otherwise, yeah. people in the 80s had a way warped sense of reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I just wanted to try to piss people off. Well, and they have to make Freddy easy, somewhat easy to look at, too. I mean, they can't have him looking completely just disgusting. <laughs> like cropsing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I really love the look at that of that guy and all the yeah there's actually a lot of it's a really impressive cast for being you know an 80s slasher film and it's the first project by the weinsteins first film project by the weinsteins as well so harvey uh at least did the story for it and why i mean i have my own opinion on it but why do we all think this movie 
does stand out amongst the crop of slasher films, in particular summer camp horror films. I like it because it's got great kills, which I think you need in a slasher anyway. But yeah. it it doesn't toss around red herrings. You know right from the bat who the fucking killer is. Good point. It yeah, we're not back. And I, I don't get me wrong. I like right. guessing who who the killer might be. But in this one, you get the backstory. The kids fucked him over, and he's pissed. Yeah. And that's it's just very straightforward. But what really makes it shine are you know like the raft scene, like Terry said. It's stuff like that that may it makes it stand out. Yeah. So that because this came out between Friday one and two, right? Yes. Right. So this would have been the first. Uh-oh. Fully fledged, like, you know, John Carpenter says that Halloween is his Argento movie. So even though it's based on Giallo, it, you know who the killer is from the get-go. But that's mm-hmm. like the 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 first American slasher. So Friday the 13th is the thing that really nails the formula down. But it still has that surprise the killer's not who you thought it was Giallo thing. So the burning would have been, then as you're talking about, John, that it doesn't play... You know, it doesn't try to trick the audience into throwing all these different characters at you and making you guess. Did you it say a red been... herring? No, I, I was specifically trying not to say red herring. Damn actually. it! <laughs> does, does Mike yeah, even don't know say what red herring. Doing? No, he doesn't. <laughs> even better. Guys, doesn't matter. You guys all suck anyway. <laughs> Nobody ever invites Mike to play. Anyway. No, but sorry, Brian. so so it would have been the first fully fledged. American slasher movie to completely do away with any of the giallo uh, tropes. I kind of see what you're and saying. And just straight up be like, here's the killer, he's killing everyone, deal with it, before Jason took the mantle. Yeah. That's true. Brian, I'll warn you too, I get made fun made fun of for using the word trope, so be careful. Mike still has no idea. It's okay. See, now... Now that I'm here, you'll get made fun of less because at least half the being made fun of will come on to me. So we'll, 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 we'll I, have each other's backs on that one, I think. Oh, good old Brian. My favorite hey. whipping boy. Uh, that's a, but that's a really good point, Brian. I, I You just deduced it's the first slasher. That is, that really, yeah, like that a really. True, honest to God slasher. It's got yeah. that, you know, past. American slash. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's just. Fuck! I want to watch it right now. Fuck you guys! I'm going away. I think I've always felt like part of it was the fact that this movie, once the video boom happened, it was impossible to get your hands on a copy, and when you did, it was edited to shit. Like all the Savini effects were were cut out. Um, so this movie, at least when when I was growing up. Was was of legend, like you could not find this movie, and it took it took me years to be able to finally find at least a bootleg copy of the burning. God forbid trying to find it with those original Savini effects in it. So I think, I think the legend of this movie has also kind of like adds to a to I its success. That. I won't lie though, I did not see this movie until uh, Scream Factory put it out. Well, see, and yeah. I'm not surprised. I knew, I knew what... about it though, and I've I've seen the DVD, you know, you know, used countless yeah. times, and I'm always like, ah, I kind of want to buy it, but I, you know, probably shouldn't. And then, yeah, Screen Factory put it out, and I'm like, buy right now, instant purchase. Yeah. 
and I'm like, holy yeah. shit, this is so good. How'd they do with the treatment and the special features? They're just the they're the trans- they are the criterion yeah. of uh, horror. Mm, nice sure. way of nice. I like that comparison. That's awesome. Actually, there's a lot of companies right now that could be considered the criterion of horror. Sometimes I don't even necessarily consider Criterion to be the Criterion. Yeah. Because they put out some questionable stuff, you know? I don't know. Dude, I... uh, Well, Michael Bay sits on their panel of, like, board of advisors or whatever. He's one of the deciders, so that might have something to do with it. (laughs) I'm not going to review it tonight, but my next review for the show is going to be Carnival of Souls. And their fucking Blu-ray of that is... And I hate using this word. I, I mean, I absolutely hate using the this red herring. Word. No, not red herring. Phenomenal. <laughs> okay. But Jesus no. Christ, Carnival of Souls is one of the best looking Blu-rays I've ever seen. Like, I can't believe they made uh, a 1962 ultra low budget movie look so fantastic. Not only that, but a public domain movie. Yeah, like it, God knows where the original materials ended up. It is gorgeous. I mean, it's just simply stunning. It, just the restoration was pretty pretty amazing. It oh man, the the grays, the blacks, the whites, everything just looks so glorious on on Blu-ray. They did such a fantastic job. And they didn't need to do that with this movie, but they did and it's great. I may have to check that out cuz all the criterions are on Hulu and I noticed Carnival Souls Souls was on there, so I may have to watch it. And that. I I actually this was the first time I've ever seen the movie. Surprisingly, oh. I think I have oh. have it on one of those, you know, like, hey, buy this set of twenty movies for a dollar kind of thing. But it's, I'm glad I didn't see it until Blu-ray. It's so good. The it's, sound it's is a great, amazing. Yeah, you should check that out. It's I've only seen like a shitty like DVD that looks like it was recorded from like a VHS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My 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 only ever viewing of the movie was uh, a Good Times VHS release. Recorded on EP mode. Yeah, I've got. I noticed. I thought there was new art floating around on the internet. It's, I saw yeah. it looked really cool. It, it over well, at least until uh, well, the end of the month uh, at Barnes and Noble, they have all their Criterion Blu-rays half off. So I mean, you can't with this movie, you can't go wrong for twenty dollars. If you're gonna watch it on Hulu, prioritize that on your watch list. Criterion is going to be launching their own streaming service, and they're taking all of their stuff off Hulu. I don't know the exact. Oh, I mean, they the are. Jesus Christ, more money I got to spend yep. on a streaming service. Fuck. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know the date exactly when that's going to happen, but yeah, there are a couple of movies that I've been meaning to get around to that I'm going to be watching soon to make sure I get them seen before they get taken away. Yeah, thanks for the heads up, because now I'm going to have to marathon Criterion. I mean, it's mind-blowing that that many of them are on there. I swear it's got to be pretty much the whole catalog. That's at least 500 of them. That's a good chunk. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of them out there, so. Yeah. Anyway, back to summer camp movies. (laughs) I was was just happy to finally see the Criterion restoration of Eating Raul, because I've stared at that that dvd forever and i'm like yeah. fuck criterion in your 30 dollars I've, I've stared at that on blu-ray since i bought it <laughs> i still need to watch it. <laughs> that's the problem with criterion it's like it's a lot of times it's movies that i've already seen i'm like oh i'll get to it eventually but i gotta buy it now because it's criterion and yeah, yeah i've been sitting on that eating raul i think it's still unopened <laughs> watch it it's a great movie it's so funny Okay, um, anyway. we were talking about the burning. 
That's why the show's awesome. We talk about random shit and then a couple movies we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> Anything else anybody ever to add about the burning? I think another... Okay, I do. I think another thing um, that separates this movie out as far as not only being a slasher but a summer camp slasher is that it's one of the very rare few that actually have people at the summer camp, like children <laughs> at the summer camp. Yeah. Cheerleader camp had a, hand, a bunch of kids, Supposed too. to, but yeah, but you only ever really saw, like, maybe ten at most in any single frame. And let alone children, though. Like, that's what's great about the next one I want to bring up, is that it was it actually was a summer camp that had the stereotype all ages summer camp, and that is um, summer camp nightmare summer camp nightmare is that right? Did I get the title right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the one I've been waiting to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yes. <laughs> Never even heard of that movie until like two, three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, I loved. I loved following along to you starting it and your <laughs> posts about it through the end of it it was pretty great because you weren't expecting much no i thought it was just going to be another slasher movie and then it and a shitty one at that. yeah well i mean yeah yeah <laughs> but it wasn't man no. it, it was a shock to me too it totally was not what i was expecting at all and i and i loved it i uh, i this is, I think, one of the one of my favorite movies that I've watched for this show in recent times. As far as doing the prep work for an episode, I I, I freaking loved this movie. Yeah. yeah. Me too, man. And I'm surprised I'd never heard of it because it was written by a it was written by Penelope Penelope Spheris. Yeah. Co-written by her. Freaking blew my Which mind. Which explains why it's such Which, uh, an intelligent movie. Who's that? Yeah. The director of the um, Decline of Western Civilization films. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. You have you have her her iconic like the Decline of Western Western Civilization documentaries, Suburbia, and then you have like her Hollywood shit, Wayne's World, Rules. Rascals. Yeah, Wayne's World is awesome, and I love all of her. I even like the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Yes, it's well, so movie. Jim Varney <laughs> yeah. totally helps that movie. True, but I'm just saying, like, I'll watch anything that she's done, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was like, "Holy shit!" The minute I saw her name in the in the opening credit sequence, <laughs> couldn't believe it. So I had to look, and the director of this movie was the producer on her movie Suburbia, which was also around the same time as this movie. So yeah, I think I think this came out in '87, so. About four years after Suburbia, yeah. and uh, it does kind of have that vibe. It's the movie to me. It's almost like kind of a mix, like sort of thematically and stylistically. It's kind of like a cross between like Suburbia and Class of 1984, and then sure, I I even found like kind of some Mosquito Coast. If you've seen that film, it's got kind of the uh, Kind of the same themes and imagery with like the whole, you know, the sort of, uh, I mean, they're at a summer camp, so it's not exactly like 
primitive, but you know, they're kind of, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they're kind of removed from society, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, word, well, the, the words I, or the reviews I read about it was comparing it a lot to Lord, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a slasher and it turns out to be a, uh, well, modern for the time, you know, contemporary in the eighties, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've never, I've never seen that movie or read the book it's one of those classics you always hear about and you didn't have you didn't have to read the book in school wow no. yeah i did i didn't either that was why oh, I, I did that was weird that i escaped from but then we had to read some that and everyone else i knew yeah. went to a different school was like what you had to read that so yeah, you had like five people in your class brian so yeah i did i went to a very very small school i mean my, mine wasn't much better but i mean at least i had like 10 people in my class anyway <laughs> But I, I'll, but I know what you're saying, though, Sam. Especially when I saw Penelope's name on it, I really got a suburbia vibe from it with the with the teenagers. Yeah, you know, and I think that just was like a theme she really um, that felt, she really felt strong about at the time, which also reflects in her decline of Western civilization films. So yeah, yeah, but uh. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I guess I guess the movie is based on a novel, and I was kind of like looking up the Wikipedia, and I guess the novel is kind of different in a way. It's almost like kind of uh, like the roles are kind of reversed in a way, in the sense that, like in the I guess in the novel, it's uh, like the main. I guess you could call him the the antagonist, like the kid, the 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 leader. He's kind of like more, I guess, totalitarian in the book, <laughs> and then and in the movie, it's it's kind of weird because he's he's like a weird hodgepodge. Like so, like on one hand, he's like very like anti-authoritarian. You know, he's reading like Henry David Thoreau and. You know, he's got all these banners, like, questioning authority, you know. So it's, like, very anti-authoritarian, but at the same time, he's, like, you know. He's Wearing in- Fidel Castro fatigues by the Yeah, end. he looks like some kind of third-world dictator, and he's, like, locking people up. and Which is that- exactly what they were striking back against the camp director uh, doing in the first place. When, they, when he locks, uh, I forget the character's name. But when yeah. when he catches them messing with the the uh, aerial antenna, the TV aerial, so that they can watch, you know, MTV or whatever it is they're watching, and he throws them in what he calls the meditation chamber. Right. So yeah. like, yeah. Basically, so yeah, like, it starts out they're going to this camp. It's kind of ruled by this sort of uh, you know religious zealot who like you know imposes all these really harsh rules on them, and then. So they, this guy kind of revolts and, uh, you know, he starts this quote unquote revolution. But, uh, anyway, I forget where we're going with this, but yeah, it is, it is, <laughs> it is interesting because, you know, the character is just, you know, very weird. He's not like this black and white kind of character where he's like a total totalitarian, nor is he like completely you know, it's just interesting. It's an interesting mix and kind of a, you know, 
in some ways it's kind of like relevant to today, I guess, you know, a lot of people with like sort of a confused outlook, you know, sort of conflicting viewpoints anyway. But, but, uh, aside from that, yeah, it's just really well shot and, but it's just crazy, man. Cause apparently this, this hasn't even, uh, had a DVD release. It's like, no, uh-uh. which is mind blowing. Yeah, talk about something that's calling out for a special edition Blu-ray with a bunch of extras and stuff. No, and it's shit. not just the the script being so intelligent, which it is, and that's fantastic. But it's the performances too. Like uh, Franklin is the the our dictator character, is played yeah, by an actor named Charlie Stratton, and he is a. I I looked him up on he was great before we. Yes. We started recording, and he hasn't done that much stuff. A couple other movies and a few TV shows, and he was really good. I mean, he yeah. sold that character as being so caring and charismatic, and the script did such a good job in the direction of setting up uh, uh, Mr. Warren, the Chuck Connors character, the guy who runs the camp, yeah. the weird butterfly collection, and that. You think, <laughs> like, it, it's a great sleight of hand, you know, misdirection thing where that bit where he's talking to the little kid who uh, went on the butterfly hunt with Mr. Warren. And he says that Mr. Warren was, was picking him up and lifting him up presumably so he could, you know, catch a butterfly that flew out of his reach or whatever, but that it scared him and it made him have an accident. And what Franklin reads into that is probably, I don't think he really believes that Warren was trying to molest the kid. I think he saw that as his opportunity to exploit the kid's distrust of this older religious zealot authority. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like, yeah, I think, I, I think he, he was very scheming, but he sold that character as so caring. And so like, he was such a charismatic character that you wanted to follow him along. And I thought that's, that he was going to be the good guy. Yeah. 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 Cause that's the key. Like, you know, he, um, takes over the summer camp and turns all the kids against the adults. Um, and you know, you've seen kind of themes like that before, but it, you know, it's usually somebody kind of more of a dictator type character, but this guy, this guy, you kind of want to follow him. He's, he seems like a really nice guy, really caring. And at first thinks that all he really cares about is making sure that these kids are having a fun summer camp experience. Yeah. Well- and the Chuck Connors character yeah. is ruining that. But what he, like, he's just exploiting an opportunity to take over. And the fact that the audience, or at least, you know, me being the audience in this case, <laughs> and, you know, it sounds like you guys were too, bought his, like, fell for a hook, line, and sinker, went right mm-hmm. along with him, shows what a powerful performance, for one thing, and a written character, for another thing, that this... Franklin really was. Yeah, and I think I don't know. We haven't really explained the plot too much, and not that I feel like we always need to go in and describe movies for people, but this is one I think uh, is definitely. If anybody gets anything out of this episode new, it should be this movie and find it and check it out. It's entirely on YouTube, but you know it's not the best quality. But you know, but, there's no DVD, so how else are you gonna watch so. it? And it's true. It wasn't too bad. Come across the VHS. No, no, the quality wasn't that bad. Um, 
Anywho, uh, well, I mean, it's obviously ripped from a VHS, but yeah. Uh, so the story goes, it, it's it starts off like your typical summer camp movie, and what's what I find interesting about it, I really feel like this is this is one performance and one music score away from being a comedy. Like you could have like totally gone in the opposite direction of this, um, and just kind of turned it into more of a goofball comedy. Like it could have gone that direction, but it stays like dark and 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 horrific instead so um there's a new head of the camp mr warren who's like really religious guy and um really uh he's kind of a jerk played by chuck connor so anytime you have chuck connor in a horror movie is cool in my book um aka c terrorist trap um And so he's kind of laying down the law, and the kids don't like the new rules and all this stuff. So they they kind of form uh, a revolution. They keep calling it the revolution, and take over the camp. They lock all the counselors and 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 Mr. Warren in this uh, timeout room or whatever, and keep them hostage while they basically do whatever the fuck they want for the rest of the summer. But you know, as things happen when you don't have Adult supervision, things go horribly wrong. So, and to the point where they start having their own like trial system and uh, you know their own court system and passing judgment on on the other kids. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. He implements like, I guess what was kind of apparently a more medieval practice: the trial by, by ordeal. So like, yeah. He makes, uh, you know, so one of the characters, he's, like, accused of rape. And, uh, you know, everyone wants to to kill him, you know, capital punishment. But he decides to do this trial trial by ordeal where he has to, like, cross this dangerous bridge. And, uh, you know, if he lives, then he's innocent or at least free. And if he he dies, then (laughs) I guess... That's his, that's his punishment, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Which gets really interesting when one of the uh, one of the main characters ends up raping one of the girls from the from the neighboring camp, who also gets involved in the revolution, and and they put him on trial, and he ends up making it across the rope bridge, and not to spoil what happens to his character, but. Jason, you were saying after you watched it that you were kind of like, you felt like it ended abruptly, which I agree with. But your part of your argument was that you know you were just waiting for more death and mayhem to happen in this movie, when you really only get two deaths in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I liked I liked the movie a lot. I just my only critique is that I thought, I mean, I was sitting there like waiting for a horror movie yeah. and there really wasn't a horror movie I mean I, I was expecting this bloody camp horror movie yeah. and that never happened and then it was like over and I'm like shit shit's just getting crazy why yeah. Why is it over now yeah. it just went fast yeah where I agree with you I feel like the, the conclusion of the film ends pretty abruptly things tie up nice and you know, nice and neat there, really fast. Um, but like, as far as there's only real two deaths in the movie, two kills in this movie. But I think those two deaths are like 
far more impactful than uh, than if they were like ten deaths. You know, like those two deaths were literally shocking to me, just because we've established these characters and we've built up this the storyline, and it's that whole thing of like, well, there's a point of no return. Somebody has killed somebody during this quote unquote revolution, and there's no turning back from that. There's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. And then when I'm sorry, go ahead, Sam, you're just. Oh, no, not me. <laughs> oh, I thought somebody else had started to talk. Oh, I was just going to no. say that, you know, it stems from this not being a slasher movie, that the deaths are not just kills to be enjoyed, but they impact on the story. Mm-hmm. And the idea, of this, for me, the second death, I mean, you don't see it happen, but the idea that it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crowd lynching is what happened, and the how what they did for that what they did show us created something way more horrific in my mind when for the actual lynching part because just the idea of this these people just being pushed over the edge and and this guy can't escape this crowd who's out to get him which by the way is played by John Travolta's nephew I forget his name right now but we all know and love him, tying this back to my favorite Friday the 13th movie. Um, he played um, Court in Friday the 13th Part 6. There you go. Mm. Alrighty. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. From the Winnebago scene. You're Winnebago. <laughs> you tell him, I just, I just like saying that word, Winnebago. Winnebago. Winnebango. <laughs> Sorry, family guy. So, yeah, great, great movie. Um, really get invested in all the all the characters. Um, definitely was a shock and surprise. Was not what I was expecting in the least. Yeah, yeah, and it it kind of isn't a horror movie, but just a really solid, a really solid, you know, kind of a drama. But yeah, it's just so shocking that it's not on. DVD or anything, because you know, again, it's it checks all the boxes. Lot, it's got because a lot worse stuff is. Yeah. And <laughs> well, yeah. That's why it should be. Yeah. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, I love it, and you know, and it's thought provoking too. It's not just the fact that it's you know good on a surface level. It makes you think, yeah. and um, heck, man. But yeah, I I love too because like. The Mosquito Coast is one of my favorite movies, and this this is such a great companion piece to that because the uh, the main character Franklin is you know parallels so closely Harrison Ford's character in that movie, Ali Fox. You know he's like this idealist who's like you know corrupted, and he goes over the edge, and I just love that stuff and like the imagery of like you know camp in the woods I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna uh-huh. say Sam I was kind of worried there for a second when you said it wasn't a horror movie and you were searching for a genre to describe it I thought you were going to say thriller and we were going to have oh, a problem it's, a total oh, thriller. No. it's not a thriller <laughs> god damn it. The, it, it it's a dystopian movie yeah. dystopian thriller yeah 
God. Oh, Walking Dead. We're, we're doing a whole show just on Walking Dead. Not, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I also want to say Charlie Stratton isn't the only great performance in this movie. Who's the Franklin, the, the, you know, the dictator character? Adam Carl, who is Donald Poultry who's kind of our uh, viewpoint character through the thing, the younger, like the tech nerd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was really good. Yeah. He actually was uh, uh, Derek and Monster Squad. He also had, and he's been in a lot oh, more shit. stuff than the guy who played Franklin. He was also in uh, Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze, and he had a bit part in Man's Best Friend. Aw. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He was great. Also, Runk the Punk uh, and his buddy, yeah. their, their band and the talent show, does an awesome cover oh. of Fear's Beef Bologna, which I haven't gotten out of my head since I watched this fucking movie. <laughs> Seriously, he has not stopped. He's not stopped texting me about it. Yeah, like every once in a while, just in all caps text Beef Bologna, to and then a picture of his dick. But that's a, that's a whole other thing. Did you say cover? Is there an actual song? Yeah, it's by the band there? Fear. So it's off. Oh, uh-oh. yeah, it's off the record. Like the Fear record from uh, 1982, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Song people. Yeah. I need it. But the yeah. Rock the Punk version actually is actually better. It's like heavier and more fun. Yeah. I wonder if you could get that. Download that version. They Watch have. The, the, they have the, some of the soundtrack on on YouTube. I will have to say though, as as awesome as that song was and that scene was, that's probably the worst part of the movie because. That was like the worst mix. That was the worst imitating um, music playing yeah, ever. No, I like they, they were, totally pulled off that solo. <laughs> or something. They, they were fun to watch playing the guitars, but like, and and the girls, the girls that sang that song, their their mouths never matched the words once. Oh yeah, and, not even close. But what bothered me about the beef bologna song is like. It's just those two on stage for half of the song, and you're hearing drums and other but instruments. For like it's a like, split second, they show somebody else doing stuff. Yeah, and it's like, well, we should probably show somebody playing the drums. So, I'm like, okay. And it's the guy that introduced them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, where, where the hell is the drum set in conjunction to the rest of the room? Doesn't matter, beef baloney. Beef baloney. Um,. I thought it, they, it was interesting how they handled the rape scene as well. Like, they, you know, they could have gone really exploitive with it, but they didn't show anything to the point of where it almost felt like... Like I didn't know it was a rape until they said it afterwards? Yeah, like they had to tell you that it was a rape. You're like, oh, is that what that, that was? was a, yeah. That wasn't just 80s? That wasn't patty cake? Right. For, forced it was, patty cake? It, it was in between patty cake and full-on rape. <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't have laughed at that, but just the way he said it. It's, a, it's a, such a thin line, really. Patty cake, patty cake, fist! Hey! <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> and there goes the... <laughs> Even use lube. What a dick! God. I'm out of here. <laughs> I can't go on. <laughs> Good job, John. You killed the host of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
was so many talk. Yeah, no. So uh, anyway. <laughs> I'm a horrible oh. person. <laughs> you can't say that line while you're laughing as hard as you were. <laughs> okay, okay. Get it together, get it together, get it together. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, if you can find this movie, definitely check it out. Again, in fully intact on YouTube. This I'm assuming it's fully intact. Yeah. That's where we watched it. Well, I no not know could have had some stuff cut out. Oh. You know, I kind of <clears throat> don't think this movie featured a lot of gore in the first place. I, would like, think, I so. think that was kind of the point they were making. Like, they weren't trying to glorify the violence. So I don't see there being, like, a super gory director's cut version of this. No, no. I agree. I mean, I'm just saying, there just felt like there was a couple scenes that seemed like there were elements missing, maybe. <laughs> you think that about all movies that don't have blood? <sighs> no. I do have one question. Was that ever really a computer? Or whatever he was toting around. That <laughs> or kid, did they just Franklin invent kid? that thing that he thought was saying? That giant tape recorder thing he was carrying right. around? But he had some other equipment with him, too, that In I think suitcase. that was supposed to be the computer. Oh, yeah. But when he was when talking, to one, your... talking to uh, Junk the Punk, Frunk, whatever his name <laughs> was, kid. In the beginning, he was just playing them because he had pre-recorded, like, you're an asshole, or whatever he said into it, and then convinced him it was a computer, and yeah, it was. You're a giant purple dork. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even wearing you... purple. What's that supposed to mean? Ryan really liked this movie. He's quoting it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also just watched it like two days ago, so it's fresh in the mind. Whatever, yeah. nerd. You love it. <laughs> yeah, I do love it because I was. <laughs> I was expecting one thing and was blown away by what I got, and yeah, it's a really good movie. It's a really good version of Lord of the Flies. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else got any summer camp movies they want to talk about? I know there were some others on the list, but I didn't get a chance to watch. Has anyone else seen Twisted Nightmare? I was going to watch it, <laughs> and I didn't get around to it. I was going to until I read what you said about it, and then I'm like, I don't know. I kind of want to watch it. That, that it was exactly what I thought Summer Camp Nightmare was going to be? Yeah. 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 It, so it actually. Oh, yeah. It's it's a terrible, like, third-tier slasher movie. No, no. But, convinced Terry she wants to see it. Duh. That's No, you thing. do want to see it. There, there's some really fun gore in it. It's It actually doesn't take place in a camp. It's more of like a disused farm or a ranch. Like these people decide to, like on one summer vacation, a bunch of people are going to go to one character's uh, old family farm and spend the week or whatever. But um, it you're talking about the, the VHS rip quality of summer camp nightmare on youtube not being very good this is awful like i couldn't this one looked terrible i couldn't understand a lot of the dialogue it's one of those this is on an ancient indian burial ground or they killed an indian shaman here or something i i honestly couldn't <laughs> tell you like it's it's kind of garbled and hard to understand what's going on but um it's the the two things about it it's the only other movie that i've seen besides uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, that features a kill with an like a mounted deer antler on the wall impalement. Woo! Yeah, Ooh. so there's one of those, and uh, there's my favorite kill of the whole. There's some 
like I said, there's some good gore. You know, guy gets his arm ripped off, and there's some other stuff. There's a kill in a sauna that kind of imitates uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. If it, well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe Takes Manhattan imitates this. I'm not sure what the release dates are, but anyway, um, my favorite part of the whole movie was there's a there's the killer's like a zombie guy who is resurrected by this ancient Indian magic because an Indian was wronged somehow on this property and his he's cursed the place. So this this zombie guy is resurrected and he's killing everyone. And there's a cop who shows up like late in the movie to figure out what's going on and try to save whoever's left. And the zombie rips his head off and throws it on the ground. And the cop's headless twitching body, like before it collapses to the ground in death, it you know, the nervous reaction of it twitching, he's got his service revolver out in his hand and he shoots his own head in the face. His, his disembodied head is laying on the ground, and the oh body twitches God. and shoots the head in the face and then falls over. And it's it's kind of great. But, yeah, that's that's about all I've got to say about that movie. <laughs> so which is which antler impalement's better? Oh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Silent Night, Night, definitely. Because this one just implies it. You don't actually see the girl um, impaled. Like You just see the zombie guy lift the girl up. Swing her toward the antler, and then there's like the you know the musical scene. And yeah, it's yep. well, this movie was probably made for about twenty bucks. Like the director cashed in all the cans he had in his trunk, <laughs> dug some change out of his couch. It's, like, it's all the film we got, guys. Was yeah. this directed by John Russo? Sorry. Oh gosh, <laughs> bringing it back. But yeah, so. Twisted Nightmare is fun. It's it's worth a look. It's you know it's not going to hurt your feelings, but it's <laughs> that, that's a, a movie that won't hurt your feelings. That, that's a all I no can say. fisting in this that's movie. What I, uh, that's hurting other things. <sighs> cool. I still probably watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to own it. <laughs> I watched an awesome movie last night. Oh, I forgot. Yes, there was another one. Yeah. Stage Fright. Fuck yeah. Woo! That was kick-ass. Yeah, that is a good movie. Because it was, you know, it was clever enough. I mean, it was smart enough. And Meatloaf. You know? Yeah. yeah. Then the music. Sure. Yeah, the music yeah. is a lot of fun in that movie. Yeah, it really is. Like it, I, it, it plays on itself in the genre... Uh, not the horror genre, the musical genre enough that it's it's pretty cute. It was a lot of fun for sure. That was on my. I think that I put that one on my top ten a couple years back. I really liked it. Well, I'm glad I finally watched it. It's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, it definitely took me by surprise to how fun it was and how great it was. <laughs> and just. I don't know why, but for fun, the uh, the Phantom, I mean, whoever they call the guy in this one, because uh-huh. it's, it's not Phantom of the Opera, it's something else. Yeah, something not copyrighted. Right. <laughs> but, uh, which is great that they played on that the whole time, yeah. too. But, but the bad guy in this, he's like everyone else's uh, stereotypical musical-y. And that and on the old Phantom E musically, but then they set it in Japan, blah. So it's really weird stuff. But then, like mixed in is this weird heavy metally yeah, bad guy, and I pretended that was John in yeah. the mask. <laughs> I would have had fun. a lot more growling. That was so. Yeah, he, he, he was more like a cock rock thing than. Yeah, like he was. 
he was actually the weakest part of the movie for me. Uh, it, it, I didn't it, like it up until the scene in the big scene. scene yeah. You know? I mean, it wasn't I kinda, bad, but it just, I don't know. Like, if you're going to have a heavy metal guy in your movie, you should be a heavy metal guy, not a wiener. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's just me being nitpicky. Sorry, not everybody likes, bo- you know, Bon Jovi. <laughs> you're stuck with two nitpicky metalheads on the show now, by the way. Yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> I'm just saying. I pretended it was John in there. Cause... I would. Uh, he did not sing about cats. So <laughs> <That's true. laughs> clearly, true. clearly true. not me. <laughs> Got you there. And such. Uh, but the fucking just uh, so like the first five minutes, I'm like, is that really her? Because I didn't look at the credits at first. Oh, now I totally oh who, Mini Driver? You're Mini Driver. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. She's in this Which movie? is kind like, of a callback to um, Phantom of the Opera, too, because she was in that newer yeah. version. Was she? Yeah. But, Mike but and I are cultured here, she, guys. You got to school us. She bites it. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. <laughs> she gets knifed in the fucking mouth. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I mean, like, everybody wants to kill Mini Driver in the mouth. I mean, it starts off like... Yeah, there's a lot of things there, to do I was there. really worried, and <laughs> I'm trying to talk over this. I was really worried <laughs> in the beginning this was going to be like all musical, and I was going to like really be annoyed with it. But no offense to musical lovers. Like Repo? But uh. like... But like, cl- like real? But like classical? You know, like m- meets... Was whatever that TV show is that I'd never seen. Oh, Glee. Glee. So I thought uh, it was gonna be like Glee, and then which is fine. I've never really seen it. Yeah, I'm making it worse. He but then, then he, she gets fucking stabbed to shit. It was <laughs> awesome. Like, okay, now we're take that mini driver. Like, okay, it's still it's definitely still a horror movie. <laughs> I didn't get tricked into watching this, like some backwards. Terry's mad at Mike, so she makes me watch Stage Fright <laughs> yeah. or something. So, well, I I like musicals and stuff, so I was bound to like it no matter what. But it was just really good, and honestly, uh, Meatloaf being in it was a nice, nice yeah. touch. Yeah, because yeah, I, uh, meatloaf, I, I like Meatloaf. I like uh, I like the food. I like the the man. I like the music. <laughs> but no, I, I really am a you know a. <laughs> decently sized fan of uh, Meatloaf's music and so it's nice to see him in something like this because he's not a bad actor no no I've always he's enjoyed act, it you know he's as long as he's been singing he's essentially been acting so you know Fight Club Breakdown Fuck Rocky yeah, Horror Picture Fight Show Club. yeah I mean he's he's a great vocalist and a great actor and it's it, it was a good pick for him Isn't he supposed to be working on a new record or something? I thought I heard, or like he has a new song. I don't know. Maybe. I'm retracting. Well, that. he collapsed on stage a while back, so who knows? That's right. Oh, Milo. It is 2016, the year of death. So maybe, right. maybe he eats too Shush, much. Shush! It's been a while. Shush! Shush! It's been a while. Man, I yeah, sure wait, hope I... Donald Trump wins the presidency. Anyway, just trying like to. The... Like, uh, the most recent death I've seen lately is, um, I forget his name now, 
a uh, classic Man Magazine Jack artist. Davis. Yeah. Jack Davis. Thank you, Yep. He also did a lot of old like EC Comics horror stuff too. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah that's a shame yeah. that he he died. I mean, he was ninety one. Right. Yeah. At really least he didn't sad. die like yeah. You know, he he died after a yeah. long life and a storied career. So I mean, we we should all be so lucky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I've always, I mean, that was the thing with Mad Magazine in particular. Not only did I always love it for its humor, but I've also, I always loved the majority of the artists in in that publication, you know? So, and he was one of the better ones. Anywho, You're... anything else about Stage Right? It's good. It's, it's on Netflix. It's been forever since I've watched it, so I'm not saying much. Although, I don't know why this got put into my head, but you know what movie I want to see? I haven't seen it forever. After after watching you watch Stage Fright. <laughs> <laughs> he walks in, says some shit, tries to distract me, and then leaves. Yep, it's pretty much my... Always. What I do. Um, I want to watch Detention again. Now, what that has to do with oh, Stage man, Fright that's so is good. nothing, but I love that movie. That movie, that movie is that. crazy. That movie's fucked up. It's awesome. I have not seen it. Is that the Dude. one with Dane Cook? I fucking hope about not. A different thing. I don't think no. so. Is he in it? I think is I know what you're talking about, but oh, I have yeah, not no, seen it. I think he's a teacher in it or something. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, I think oh, he's in it. Never mind, I'm done. Well, no, it's not that big of a part, though. It looks like some weird, like, teeny bopper thing, but it is so fucked up. Like, it's crazy. Does he die in it? That at least... If Louis C.K. comes in with a machete and chops his head off for stealing his bits, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. I don't remember if he dies or not. He might, but the movie deals with, like freaking aliens and time travel and it's and it's yeah. got slasher tropes there's a it's crazy. serial killer and and red herrings everywhere <sighs> no it's it's just it's really red freaking herring. weird it's really bizarre and weird and and funny and it's just awesome i wonder if that's still on netflix oh it was for a really long time yeah i kind of really want to watch it again has a Josh Hutcherson from the Hunger Games movies that no it one so apparently cool. cares about. <laughs> it was such a cool movie. Fun to watch with a group. Yeah. That would be a fun group movie for sure. Anyway. Does that wrap it up? Is that we all summer camped out? Oh, no. No. What did I forget? Well, I was just curious somewhere during this podcast to know if y'all spent time at summer camps personally. Jeez. God damn it, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. Summer camp stories. I hated it. I never had the pleasure. Crooked Creek Christian Camp. Yeehaw. Yeah. I I was in Girl Scouts, so I did a few outings yeah i was i was in boy scouts and for many years we would we would spend like one week every summer at summer camp and it was pretty fucking sweet (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah man got to like build huge bonfires and 
practice initiation rites and (laughs) 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 fucking terrorize each other and Girl Scout camps were lame, but <laughs> it was still fun to be out in little cabins in the woods and do that whole thing. See, we didn't have cabins. We just like slept in tents with like, you know, like two people per tent. And then by yeah. the end of the week, it would smell like fucking ass and <laughs> <laughs> gross dick cheese and. <laughs> Ew. Uh. Anytime somebody gets to use the word dick cheese, man, that's the best. Dick cheese. There's a lot of good sound bites from this episode. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be the quote for the episode. Dick cheese. Dick cheese. That's summer camp in a nutshell. <laughs> nutshell. That and uh <laughs> Nutshell. I was going to say nut. 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 <laughs> but oh, better some of the most. Like, why saying. am I on this show again? <laughs> yeah, golly. When did this turn into a Beavis and Butthead episode? <laughs> <laughs> Closest thing I ever been to camp was when I was location scouting for gnats and oh, and Jason's old old uh, summer camp, Boy Scout camp. I yep. was looking at for a possible location, and it was cool. It was just cool being out there amongst all that that environment. I really wish I really wish it would have been maybe a different movie that it would have yeah. been a summer camp movie because I just thought it'd be a fun to shoot in that location and b it'd be cool for you to be oh, back yeah, in that just location. Oh yeah, seeing the pictures. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I didn't go. I wished I could have went, but it was really nostalgic just to see the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, I was in Boy Scouts for 15 years, and many of those summers spent at least a week at this camp here in just south of town, and from Cub Scout, Boy Scout on up to counselor, I got to be a counselor even. And and you lived, hooray! And I'm alive still. Oh, the <laughs> horror I've seen. <laughs> but, but, you know, we got to film Demonica in one of my old childhood mm-hmm. memory, memory stomping grounds. It would have been cool if we would have shot Nats and one of your old childhood memory stomping grounds. <clears throat> well, maybe you'll get inspired to write a s- summer camp film. It'll be a comedy if you do that, though. Wow. So, Still. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had like a vague idea floating around in my head for a while for like a horror, like Boy Scout summer camp movie. I'm surprised something like that hasn't been done. Like that's like Boy Scout specifically, not just summer camp, but like I feel like, like that's... Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. See, oh, I almost yeah. put that on the list, but if I felt I feel like it wasn't enough about the scouts and the camping trip. Yeah, like that gets that gets abandoned by the time the zombies show up. So. Yeah, there's quite a bit there toward the beginning, though. Toward the beginning, but. Would you really classify it in summer camp? No. 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 It was a fun movie, though. I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fun. Still haven't seen that one thought, yet. I've heard good things, though. Yeah, it's fun. I thought the, the scene with him dangling out the window oh, was a little bit over the top. A little. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, the cats. The cat scene was cool, too. Anyway. It's <laughs> a horror movie podcast. No. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. 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 I'd be. Uh, 
at, at the camp at the camp I went to, we had like a number of like really awesome ghost stories that were passed mm-hmm. around like about the camp. But like one of the probably the best ghost story was like there was this legend of like this moonwalking ghost donkey <laughs> called Josephine. What, what the fuck? <laughs> moonwalking Josephine? ghost donkey? Yeah. <laughs> Did it have one sequence glove on? Uh, what? <laughs> Walking. It was a Michael Jackson oh. reference. It tried. Smooth. I know. It's not well that. So <laughs> do, uh, yeah. So but, many. Yeah. Well, not so many, but all summers summer camp movies are slasher movies, pretty much, aren't they? Like that kind of brings up. Why aren't there other kinds of? Why aren't there ghost ones? Why aren't there monster yeah. ones? Why aren't you know? True. There should be other horror genres that They've take advantage been, of the summer camp. Yeah, kind of into that. Well, there is. We talked about Eagle Walk, which is a, a like a, yeah, a Bigfoot, Bigfoot summer camp movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, which you, is amazing. You really don't go too far off the beaten path with summer camp movies for some. Ah, uh, beaten path is yeah. As a, a camping pun. Yeah, you would, you would think there would be like more like sort of Native American type stuff involved with yeah. that. Like, like scalps. I've never heard of that. Yep. Fred Olin Ray is one of his first movies, right? Yeah. Try it. I need I knew you'd know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the show officially for two episodes and I'm already like the guy who's gonna know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can bring up the most the most bizarre piece of crap film obscure cinema and I'll know you know well, what I'm talking about. For the longest time, every time I'd go and rent a movie, like, oh, this looks really cool, it would wind up being a Fred Olin Ray movie, and it would be not <laughs> very good. And so yeah. a couple of years ago, I did for the blog that I write, uh, uh, one month of reviews of just his movies, and I called it Fred Olin Radiation Poisoning. <laughs> oh. and, and, and I did Scalps as one of the reviews. And that's actually a really cool movie. Now, see, I, I kind of had that same issue when I rented his movies back in the day when I was younger, before I could really appreciate, you know, bad movies. Yeah, uh, I, I used to hate them because the boxes and everything I would read about them leading up to seeing it seemed so promising, <laughs> you know. And then, like, and then when you watch Evil Tunes, and it's one <laughs> really bad. Um, animated wolf in the movie, <laughs> you're know, like, this is bullshit. But now I watch watch these I watch his movies and I fucking love them. Yeah, because like, you learn like later in life in, in the uh, in the what I like to call the cinemasochist journey. You you, you learn to appreciate <laughs> being tricked by the hype into watching something that isn't very good. <laughs> Yeah, when I think too, like I I know what my expectations are now, and my tastes have obviously changed too. Like, I know not, I know not every horror movie I watch, not every movie I watch is going to look like some big Hollywood blockbuster, you know. Nor should they. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. And nor should they. Those are the bad. There is there is a very special place for for. Movies like Phantom Empire and Cyclone and Alienator. Oh, Alienator. <laughs> I mean, I can go through the whole Fred Olin Ray catalog if you want. Um, we don't want. Alien Dead. <laughs> we don't. We're good. There's no, no, I'm, I'm totally cool with him doing it. This, I like this. 
Alien Dead is probably the uh, the hardest one to sit through because that was like his first distribution distri- movie released. <laughs> distributed. Thank you. I've been drinking. Jesus I was gonna say, Christ. How many distributed? <laughs> he really likes uh, vodka. Goddamn picky. Ah, done. <laughs> It's a goddamn porky pig moment there, man. You porky pig, the porky pig moment. <laughs> it was worth a note about watching oh, energy about drinks out. fly out your nose. Bleep, bleep, bleep. That's booze, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. All right. All right. So I think that probably about wraps up summer camping. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk some segments. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. And we're back. We're back. So it's segments time here on Taco Killer Podcast, and um, because I fear change, we'll start off with what we're, we always start off with, and that's shoutouts. Well, you know, we're going to work on that change, because guess what? what? I forgot to do. <gasps> he did! Yeah, I totally fucking forgot. And then oh, the, yeah. the funniest part is, like, it feels like this episode was, like, one of the farthest advanced scheduled ones we've had in a long time. <laughs> And I still fucking forgot until half an hour ago. I'm like, wait a minute. Fuck. Poop. Damn. But. <laughs> don't worry. Thanks, guys, don't for posting. No, John doesn't have a segment. Yeah. I don't. Maybe Terry's the only one with a segment today. <laughs> but, uh. But, uh. Hey, guys. Don't forget that you can still call in anytime <laughs> if you want. And. And you can still leave comments. Uh, on our page about your favorite summer camp did films. Nobody yeah, over there. you can tweet. You can tweet at us. You can tweet too. And did you see last time somebody made a comment and they're like, "Yes, we listened to the end of the show." I mean, at least one person <laughs> like, did. Was it Eric John said? Eric Johns, yeah, he was like, "I'm glad somebody Thanks. pays attention." Someone. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Derek. Is it worth it? Woo! <laughs> suffering and, through. And that's shoutouts. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Yep. <laughs> All right, now let's uh, let's go over to Terry with wicked words with wear tear. Wicked words with wear tear. All right, I just got a quick little book versus movie for you. By book, I mean short story. Um, I'm going to talk about From Beyond. Um, Oh, yeah. Movie in 1986, uh, which was based on the short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Pretty. Basically, what the movie takes from the short story is, like, the beginning part. Um, The short story basically 
involves um, the Crawford character who it's kind of flip-flopped because in the short story Crawford character is actually the mad scientist who's created this machine whereas in the movie that's the character played by Jeffrey Combs so he's kind of the the friend of whatever because in the movie the the mad scientist is uh, uh, Edward Pretorius or I think that's how you say his name um so basically the short story is just about how, you know, uh, there's an unnamed narrator who I guess in the scenario of the film would be Jeffrey Combs, who's kind of talking about um, his friend, the doctor that's created this machine, which I can't recall if they actually call it. The resonator. The resonator in the story. I just read it and I can't even I, remember. I, I don't think that they say only, that. In the movie, they called it the resonator, but you know. Yeah, I don't think they actually call it that in the short story. But anyway, so it's the same general premise. He goes crazy and he claims that all these creatures are coming at him, but they don't really, you know, that's not, it's all kind of implied in the story. Like it's more of a suspenseful, like you don't know what the fuck's going on sort of a deal. And. The doctor's all like, oh, I had all these servants, and they're all gone now, because these creatures came and got them, and he's hooked up his friend, the narrator, to this machine. He's like, ah, they're going to come and get you, too, and then uh, the narrator shoots the machine, and the doctor dies, and end of story, basically. And they kind of, it's kind of more of a leave you hanging to you don't know what exactly happened, which I think are a little bit more fun than revealing everything, but really short and sweet story. I mean, it'll take you like 10 minutes to read it. It's really, really short. Um, So the movie obviously delves into a lot more of a plot line than that. So really just gaining inspiration from the story and making a lot more plot lines with, the Catherine character and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. That's wicked words with water. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I love that story and movie. Anyway. (coughs) Years ago at this very camp, there was a groundskeeper named Mike. Most of the kids kept clear of him because they thought he was a little weird, and they all (laughs) stayed far away from his cabin. One day a brave little girl gathered all her courage about her and went and knocked on his door. He opened it, looming over her with a strange gleam in his eye. Would you like to come in, he said. Swallowing the lump of fear in her throat, the little girl nodded and went inside. Every wall was festooned with shelves filled with row upon row of mysterious brick-shaped objects. She wasn't quite sure what she was seeing, but she knew it was something weird. What is all this, mister? she asked. These, he said, are insane's picks. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 
have to like <laughs> story time. Keep Man. that. Yeah. Damn it, Brian, nobody's yeah. ever going to be able to compete with that. You, you, you need to do like audio books or something. You could get paid for that shit. <laughs> you know, that's one of many dreams. <laughs> so, so much like um, shout outs, I'm ill prepared for my segment as well. Oh my gosh. I, don't, I don't feel bad um, now. After I spent all day thinking up that intro. Wasn't it? <laughs> okay, so there was more thought put in the intro than this episode of Insane's Picks. But goes. here's the thing. like I haven't really had a lot of time to watch anything to prepare for the show other than the past few nights, um, my, my bedtime movie has been um, Inframan. <laughs> oh, Yes! <laughs> So I knew Brian would like this. I figured Brian would either love this episode of Insane's Picks or hate it for everything I get wrong about it and everything I mispronounce. Just so, because but... you brought up Inframan, immediate love. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, yes. As far as like Japanese superhero movie, well, yeah, Japanese superhero movies, it, well, Chinese, yeah, right? It was made in Hong Kong by the Shaw Brothers. Correction already. Yes. Um, China... A long Insane's Pick. As far as <laughs> as far as Asian Hong Kong or Asian um, superhero things go, like Inframan has always been my favorite. I loved Inframan since I was a little kid, and it's on one of my Roku streaming channels. So I've kind of clicked on it the past couple nights without, with, you know, not being able to find anything else Roku to watch. Man. So Inframan or Super Inframan which tra- is translated as Chinese Superman, is from 1975 Hong Kong um, sci-fi action film. So I know it's not really horror, but it's got monsters in it, so give me a break. And it was a Shaw Brothers-produced film. Um, Shaw Brothers have always kind of seemed to stand out amongst the the piles of Asian films that uh, fall into the, to the same categories. Um, like, uh, if you want to talk about horror and Shaw Brothers, like Black Magic, I think is probably one of my favorite Shaw Brothers productions. Um, <clears throat> other than Inframan. But it was the first superhero um, movie made in Hong Kong, uh, highly influenced by uh, um, um, Blank and Now, uh, Ultraman. Common um, Rider. Common Rider, yep, absolutely. Um it's just a fun movie. Uh, basically, it's like five episodes of Power Rangers <laughs> glued together to be one film because um, you have the queen, the evil queen, Dragon Mom, or <laughs> in other translations... Um, Princess I prefer- Dragon Mom. Or Princess Dragon Mom, yeah. Um, there's an- there was another version of it where she was called... I'm trying to find it now. Oh, the version yes. that... The version that I have, um, that, I, that I've been watching anyway. Uh, have you been watching first... the subtitled version? Yeah, it's funny because yeah. the subtitles and the dubs are are, are... are both English, but they're still not saying the same thing. Right, and, and that tends to happen a lot in these kinds of movies. But the subtitles are a little more dignified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this... Anyway, she, oh, so go ahead. she was uh, named Demon Princess Elzebub. In this, uh, in the dub, in the dubbing, and uh, but I, but the old VHS that I used to have, she was uh, Princess Dragon Mom. Anyway, she sends monster after monster out to to uh, to 
destroy everything and so she could take over the world. And uh, Inframan ends up fighting that monster and taking it out. And what I just love about it is the sets are, like, especially in Dragon Mom's Lair, the sets are crazy. The monsters, you know, are obviously not the best constructed rubber monster suits or anything. Um, they even pale in comparison by even some of the lesser Godzilla or Gamera films. But, uh, but they're freaking crazy and awesome and... Um, I love them uh, with such characters like Witch Eye, Fire Dragon, Spider Monster, Plant Monster, Drill Arm, who's my favorite, and kind of Dragon Mom's right hand man, no pun intended. <laughs> um, Long haired monster, Iron Armored Monster. Um, oh, and then it says here in the English dub, they were renamed uh, She Demon, Emperor of Doom, Giant Beetle Monster, Octopus Mutant, Driller Beast. Laser horn monster and iron fist robots. Yeah, see, I, oh, I always called them the slinky twins. They're my favorite <laughs> ones. Yeah, the slink. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. So, and w- one of the things is like I can remember even way back in the day um, that this movie played theatrically in the United States. Uh, I didn't get to see it in the theater, but I remember when it did play in my town um, in the theater, like on a Saturday matinee. I wish I would have seen it. It wasn't until a few years later after that that I got to see it like on television or something for the first time. And being at that age where I'm not quite into horror yet, those those things still scared me. But I was fascinated with monsters and such, so I was really into Godzilla and and the like. And seeing Inframan for the first time... It was kind of shocking to me seeing these these fun rubber monsters and stuff, and yet there was still death going on in this movie. So um, I don't have a ton to say about it because, again, I'm very ill-prepared for this episode. But it's it's really the only thing I've watched lately that falls into the category of Insane's Picks. And if you've never seen it before, check it out. Inframan, a.k.a. Super Inframan. Um, it's a definite must-watch. Now, Brian, go. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> Asian movies have a very different view of death, and Asian culture has a very different view of death in American culture. So yeah, they they don't really uh, blink at killing off characters in children's movies. I mean, the original Ultraman series and many subsequent Ultraman series were incredibly violent. And those were shown on primetime TV. The one that traumatized me as a child, um, and it's my it's it's probably my favorite. Um, giant Japanese monster movie, and that's War of the Gargantuas. Oh, yes, love that movie. Love it. But I remember seeing it really little after watching <laughs> fun-loving Godzilla riding around on his on his tail, finding Megalon, and 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 the lighter-hearted Godzilla movies in that era, and then seeing War of the Gargantuas, and them picking up people and eating yeah. them. Oh. That traumatized me as a child. And those those was- monsters were shrank down in scale. Like, they were not meant to be rivals to uh, Godzilla and Gigan and King Ghidorah. You know, they were, they were yeah. I think, maybe 40 or 50 meters tall. As opposed, you know, the Godzilla characters around then were being 80, you know, 50 to 80 meters tall. So, you know, they, they were much smaller, which made the effects in that movie. You know, the miniatures were a lot more detailed. Yeah. Pine trees. Yeah. Still yeah. And this, you know, yeah. spitting out uh, characters' clothes that they had eaten and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what I remembered, and like that just like shocked me so much as a child. But I, to this day, it's still my favorite 
Japanese giant monster movie, War of the Gargantuas. I got the DVD, the dual... Um, with Rodan, yeah, the classic media Rodan, one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great release. Some good documentaries on that, too. Yeah, 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 that's right. I forgot about those. Sweet. Yeah, and you're talking about the subtitles, <laughs> going back a little bit to the Inframan, the subtitles being more dignified. She-Demon, uh, which is what the... the a witch eye is called in the dub is so much less cool a name than witch eye. <laughs> yeah. In the subtitles. Yeah, yeah, that 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 threw me off. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm hearing them say one thing, and I'm reading them say something else. But oh man, so much fun! That movie's monsters. Awesome. <laughs> it's all about the monsters. That's right. Okay, so that concludes another episode. Of Attack of the Killer podcast. Anybody final thoughts? It's a good one. Nice long one. That's what she said. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> patty cake, patty cake fist. Anyway. No. no. Thanks to Susie uh, and Sam for being on. Yep. Thanks, guys, for being on. Susie, who uh, had to step had away. To step away. That's why I haven't heard from her in a little while. But. Uh, Thank you, Susie, for being on, and Sam, as always. It was a blast, as always. Thank you, sir. And the rest of the podcast crew, you know, whatever. So, (laughs) and thanks, everybody out there, for listening. And don't forget, you can um, help keep the show alive by donating to to Patreon. Right, because we're almost dead, and we can stay alive. Patreon. Yes, because you can get... Slash AOTKP. You can get cool things like bonus episodes that are exclusive just for you, or we call them mini episodes. I came up with it, copyrighted. <laughs> so, thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again soon, and goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.